This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a uh, Thursday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. NHL trade freeze being lifted, getting some deals coming in around the league and lots of news around the uh, National Hockey League coming out of last night's expansion draft and all the big news yesterday that, frankly, thanks to our pal Frank Saravelli, we had to chew on yesterday on a very big show on the channel. Um, Great to see everyone that's with us right now. Thanks to everyone that tuned in yesterday. It was one of our biggest shows ever. And a huge thank you to everyone that has subscribed to the podcast and especially the YouTube channel and helped us hit that milestone yesterday of 5,000 subscribers um, onwards and upwards from here, but can't thank everyone enough for the support of us. And of course, a big part of that is our sponsors, uh, the gang over at Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Breezy Bend Country Club, Assiniboia Downs, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and our betting partner at Cool Bet Canada. Um, Big show today. We will talk draft after 2 p.m. If you're watching with us live uh, with Michael Farkas from Hockey Prospect. Um, He's kind of the U.S. scout, also um, does quite a bit on the European side of things. So we'll pick his brain on, uh, you know, maybe some of the non-Canadians as well as his thoughts on what might be available for the Jets when they make their selection in the first round on Friday night. And um, we're going to kick around the latest Jets news, the loss of Mason Appleton, the Jet blue line, needs going into free agency, the draft with our guy Kenny Weeb, contributor to Sportsnet and uh, one half of Kenny and Rennie. You can follow Ken at Weeb's World. And if things go as according to plan, um, Kevin Sheldayoff is going to be speaking with the local media at 2.30, and we will do our best to try and bring that up and uh, sort of finish the show with hearing what um, what we've got from General Manager Kevin Sheveldayoff. So that's all coming up a little bit later on. Ken Weeb will join us sort of near to the bottom of the hour uh, but right now, as I welcome in everybody into the chat right now, great to see everybody here. Oh, I see Destructions made an appearance. Energy 21, Sean Lishka's here, Sandy and G, Cody, Tracy, the whole gang. Brown Eyed Girl is back. Brown Eyed Girl MJD, a special thanks to her. Been here, I think, almost every show, even with the new job and whatnot. A big part of us getting to 5,000 YouTube subscribers. So it was a great day yesterday, and I think this next couple days and next week as free agency gets going is going to continue to be incredibly interesting, and you're going to want to keep it here. And that's why you make sure you're subscribed. You know we're going on live. Get those notifications and uh, pop in as we go live every day at 1 p.m. Let's get Michael Remus in here to get things going. Remo, how are you? Um, Man, I'm still sort of buzzing about yesterday getting to 5K and uh, of course, the incredible numbers we had on the show yesterday is uh, a lot of interest as to what was going to happen with this 32nd team in the National Hockey League. We sort of got the names throughout the day, but I will say it wasn't until I actually saw the the show last night, kind of going in and out and seeing the team that they'd put together at the end of it. And you couldn't help but think that Ron Francis decided to go away from a lot of players with salary and term and get young, uh, go cheap and maintain maximum cap space as they go into the next couple weeks, both for free agency purposes, as well as potentially taking contracts from other teams and getting something for that to build their future. Yeah, how's it going? Uh, Thanks, everyone, for uh, hopping in and chat. Feeling good here today. And I kind of agree with you that, you know, yesterday, 
you know, we had heard all the names, but until you saw, you know, the jersey, which I think looks pretty good, um, you know, the uniform, Seattle as a city, they announced the home opener uh, against against Vancouver at their new Climate Pledge Arena, the like one of the greenest buildings in the world. So very, I think it's all very exciting. There's now a 30-second team. And, you know, we watched, you kind of knew all the names. I was kind of watching to see who was there. Marshawn Lynch, Sean Kemp, Lenny Wilkins, Gary Payton. Uh, it was... I mean, it was all right, the the thing. I mean, we knew all the names, so I wasn't, like, paying so close attention. It was cool to see Brandon Tanev there. Um, you know, he's rocking the hair and asking him about his famous uh, his famous picture. Well, that was the best part of the entire thing. Like, they pulled Tanev out, and Tanev was awesome. He's like, what's up, Seattle? I mean, really embracing, you know, this opportunity to be there on day one and meet the fans as part of the inaugural squad. And... They were talking to him and they put up, they've got these massive screens and they put up something, you know, with Pittsburgh Penguins and a picture of his headshot where he looks like he was being electrocuted or something like that. And you could actually hear an audible laugh from the entire crowd and credit to Tanner because like, oh, I see you just saw my headshot. Uh, I'll say I saw a ghost. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to go with that going forward. Uh, one of the more memorable headshots in recent NHL history. Um, but it was cool to see. I mean, Tanner was out there. Jordan Eberle, uh, one of the Flurry brothers. I won't say which one because I'll probably get them mixed Hayden. up. Uh, yeah, Mark Giordano, um, yeah. you know, who could very well be the first captain of the of the Seattle Kraken. Um, so anyways, it was neat. I thought they did a good job. I mean, considering a lot of the suspense was taken out. I mean, if you're a Seattle fan, it was cool to see. I thought the jerseys were awesome. Um, really, really impressed with their uh, with their look going forward. The colors are really neat. They've got a great logo and that trident or whatever anchor thing looks cool. So overall, it was interesting. But I mean, the the big takeaway, and we'll get to this with Ken coming up in a few minutes, um, was just the lack. I mean, who the hell is going to score for this team, especially with Yanni Gord probably being out for the first couple of months of the season? Uh, I will say the defense looks pretty good, especially when you add in those free agent signings of Alexiak and Adam Larson to add to the squad right away. Mark Giordano as well. Although, I'll have to get Steinberg, uh, my uh, partner in Calgary on the uh, Sportsnet shows that I do. I'll have to get him on sometime to talk about that, how they go from there, because, um, you know, certainly a huge hole for the Flames. Um, you know, we talked about, geez, what would happen if, we, you know, the Jets lost Dylan DeMello, which was a possibility. Losing your captain, a lifetime Flame. Uh, you know, and a lot of people expected it was coming in Calgary, but just talking with Pat earlier today, I know a lot of people still fans somewhat rattled. And I mean, man, it's a big, big hole for the team going forward. Uh, Jets, for their part, you know, lose Mason Appleton. And I think probably a little bit better position to handle the loss of a forward, certainly as opposed to a defenseman. And that certainly has been covered extensively here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remo, I want to get to some big news on the local things about things going up, but why don't we quickly just break out some of the uh, the, the latest breaking news because we are hearing about a few trades in the National Hockey League, and I imagine that will continue throughout the afternoon. Um, Ned is off to Detroit. Canes didn't want to play their talented young goaltender who played quite a bit in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, that we were eagerly awaiting the start of this trade or roster freeze coming open or ending and first one of the gate Ned going from Carolina to Detroit for third and Jonathan Bernier is a pending UFA and then Ned signing a contract with Detroit to be their goalie and uh, if you look at his numbers Alex Nedeljkovic on hockey DB he was very good last year Hus. Um 920 save percentage 
217 goals against. Uh, sorry, 932. My bad. That was in the playoffs. He was 920. I mean, he was very good in 23 regular season games and nine playoff games. He was asking for Frank Cervalli saying he was asking for three and a half million and Carolina didn't want to pay him. Maybe they were concerned about his track record, concerned about the small sample size, concerned that they didn't want to pay him. But I think for Detroit, they, you know, they get a goalie who seems to be steady and they're betting on, hey, you know, this small sample size from last year, he can, you know, he, maybe he's the next great goalie or, you know, on the flip side, he could end up turning into Andrew Hammond and you're, you know, he had a great season and, you know, kind of never really followed that up. But, I mean, his look at his OHL and HL numbers, not not as good as his NHL numbers. So maybe he, you know, got to the NHL and figured it out. Or he's a, you know, one-year or half-season wonder. But that's the gamble for Detroit. I think Iserman's, you know, proven us. Very, very smart GM. And you saw what, you know, look at Tampa, what they've done. And, you know, I think Detroit is, is definitely on their way with him as GM. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, they got a goaltender. I mean, many people speculated that Ottawa and Detroit might be selecting goaltenders in the first round of this draft. I think you can sort of cross off Detroit potentially doing that. I think there's a very good chance that Ottawa, I believe they're sitting at 10. Um, I could see them making a selection on one of those top two goaltenders. I mean, they've picked so many talented young prospects over the last few years that seem to be getting ready to move. Um, And of course, they lost Joey Decord, who acquitted himself quite well, um, breaking into the National Hockey League later on last season. He's off to Seattle right now. So uh, as far as goaltending goes, and I guess the big question is, what's Carolina going to do next year as far as their uh, their net goes? So I think there's still many more things to transpire. Certainly free agency. One of the free agent goaltenders that potentially could have hit the market was Mike Smith in Edmonton. And uh, Smith has a two-year deal, which I found quite interesting. Remus, I believe 1.9 in year one, 2.5 in year two. So like, that comes out to, I believe, $2.3 million a season. Um, for Mike Smith to stay in Edmonton. And at his age, he'll be 40 going into the season. Um, big win for him to get two years. Although the AAV, I think, for the Edmonton Oilers certainly makes sense. In all likelihood, they'll probably go with Staylock and Skinner and hope that that will be enough. And that will give Ken Holland a plenty of cap space to address some other needs, especially as we're hearing um, almost a done deal that James Neal is going to be bought out. And potentially Miko Koskinen could get bought out as well. Yeah, Ken Holland said today they have one, you know one buyout. So will it be Koskinen? Will it be Mike Smith? And you look at his numbers; he was pretty good last year in the regular season. Nine twenty-three save percentage, two thirty-one goals against. I know he's getting up there in age, but it's not a huge cap hit. And you know, two years. You know, I think one thing has um, teams are realizing, and like you know, Zach Hyman is going to be rumored. Like if a guy's, you know, let's say a guy's injury prone or something, or he's getting older and. You know, he gets hurt and can't continue. The team's like, well, we'll just put him on LTIR. It's fine. Not a big deal. No, we won't count against the cap. And, uh, we, you know, we don't even or we won't have to, we'll pay him like insurance money or whatever it is. So I think teams are realizing, you know what, who cares if you add the years? Just say the guy's injured and put him on the injured list and uh, you get relieved of uh, whatever cap issues you may have. So, uh, you know, maybe it's risky going two years on a guy who's um, 39 years old. Is that is that correct? Hockey DB? I thought it was that 38. Is, I, that I thought is it was 38. Correct. But Hockey no, DB is 39. going to be 40. The next birthday, there's 40 candles on it for old Mike Smith. Yeah, like that's... A goalie is a position where I think you can go older, but still, I mean, committing two years to a guy who's 39, I mean, good for Mike Smith. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and again, I think it would have been a lot more if they just wanted to sign him to a one-year deal. 
Um, so in a way, this is maybe the ability to spread it over a couple seasons. And even if he isn't that same guy or carrying the mail next year, um, I think it allows Ken Holland to do what he's planning on doing this summer. Because, of course, part of that is signing Darnell Nurse. Now they also need to replace Adam Larson. Um, it's sort of amazing when you think of Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Calgary with the situations on their on their respective blue lines with free agents and, and where they were going. I mean, the Jets were so worried about losing a defenseman. And a, a pretty good one in Dylan DeMello. And again, I think we all at times maybe overvalue players that, you know, we see on a regular basis as opposed to people in other markets. But I'll tell you what, I mean, you take Adam Larson off the blue line of the Edmonton Oilers and Mark Giordano off the blue line of the Calgary Flames. I mean, those two teams, the Alberta teams, maybe as much as any um, got victimized in this draft. And of course, the Seattle Kraken are going to be playing against these teams next year in the Pacific Division, trying to make the playoffs in year number one, Reef. Yeah, and I thought Adam Larson would have been a nice target for the Jets, but he signed oh, with, big Se- time. with Seattle. But what's Edmonton going to do now? I see reports from, you know, the insiders that now that, you know, Larson moved on, they need to fill that spot. They re-engage with Tyson Berry. But, I mean, Tyson Berry isn't the shutdown, you know, defensive defenseman uh, no. like Adam Larson. I mean, he's an offensive guy who can run the power play, maybe not exactly the most defensively responsible. And I think Edmonton... You know, need some forward depth, and looks like they're going to be getting that in Zach Hyman. I also see Jujar Kyra trending. I may have missed, may have missed that. Oh, there, he's not getting a qualifying offer. Uh, that's what Ken Holland said. So he was won't be back. I actually thought he was solid in a bottom, bottom six role. It's funny how like Jujar Kyra trending in Canada. Like, <laughs> hey, Canada, fourth in line, late July, late July, <laughs> fourth line. You know, third, fourth line forward. Uh, not getting a qualifying offer. All of a sudden, he's he's trending. So we'll we'll have to uh, you know wait and see what Edmonton looks like. But uh, I'm not. I don't know. It seems like they're on their their defense isn't going to be as good if they don't have Larson and they got Keith and um, bring back Barry. So again, I'm not. I don't think you can like people are saying. Oh, Seattle, this team sucks. What's going on? They didn't pick any of the good players. I don't think you can judge anything until it's all said and oh, done heading into yeah, opening Listen, night. we're not dropping the puck tomorrow uh, in their home opener against the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. There is still a lot of work to be done for Ron Francis. And and listen, I mean, I know I think everyone's ideas and expectations of an expansion team sort of changed with what happened with Las Vegas um, in their uh, initial year. I think it's crazy to expect that to happen again, even though I will say this, the Pacific Division relatively weak. I mean, when you look at those California teams right now, um, obviously you've got the Western Canadian teams, um, Colorado coming back into the central division, big win for them. Um, I mean, I guess it could happen, but certainly there's a lot of work for uh, Ron Francis to do. I mean, I think the the blue line's going to be good. Um, you got to hope. Certainly. I mean, I'm pulling for Chris Dreger to establish himself as a number one in the national hockey league. He's had a great story, Manitoba guy. Um, you know, and a couple of other young goaltenders. But let's hold on until we see what happens come mm. next week with free agency, as well as some trades that could very well happen. Yeah. Um, as we've talked about, the one thing Ron Francis has right now, Remus, is cap space, which might be the most valuable asset. And to be honest, considering the way they made their selections, I think it's pretty clear that Ron Francis is thinking exactly that. And that was one of the things that we'd sort of teased on Winnipeg Sports Talk that, 
might make it more likely that Mason Appleton gets selected over Dylan DeMello because, you know, with every one of those selections, those cap savings allow Ron Francis to do many other things. We know Appleton could bring a lot to the club at a salary of less than $1 million. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. I mean, there were some selections that it it, it almost seemed like they were passing on teams. Ah, there's no one that we really want. We'll take a young guy. Uh, we'll take John Quenville that is going to be a free agent in a week. Um, it was just, it was strange. I think like that was what surprised me the most. And I think because we saw those names, everyone just assumed that, wow, these teams must've played a big, big price to have them not take some more expensive players. Well, that's not the case at all. Um, there were apparently has been reported no deals. Unlike Vegas, where they seemingly made a deal with about half the league to not select certain players and got assets for that. Um, NHL GMs, we'd heard the rumors that they learned their lessons and they weren't going to do it this time. Uh, but I-, I was stunned to hear that just about every or allegedly every GM in the league just decided, here's my list, take a player, we'll deal with it. Yeah, here's the uh, cap friendly list. And I, I one thing we were hearing is, you know, Ron Francis had this crazy high asking price to make some of these side deals. And didn't budge, which is <laughs> which is kind of weird. And teams are like, no, we're good. And, you know, Kyle Dubas kind of went around that. You know, you can debate if you agree with his protection list or not. But he paid, instead of paying whatever Francis was asking, a high pick, he paid a seventh and, you know, a prospect for McCann to basically protect uh, his whole roster. But here's the list. And um, they did just make a trade, actually. It did finally become official. We had heard rumblings before. Uh, Tyler Pitlick to Calgary, and so that was official. Uh, Tyler Pitlick to Calgary from Seattle for a fourth-round pick. So you look at Seattle's picks here, Huss. Uh, this is their draft board. They didn't trade any of their picks, um, which was maybe surprising. They didn't get any picks except for that fourth-round pick now. So we'll wait and see. But here's their, their cap. I mean, Eberly, I mean, he can score. Uh, Yanni Gord, he's not going to be healthy till you know, you hope November. I thought Donskoy was a no-brainer pick for them, and I like the Kelly Yarncroke pick as well, $2 million. That's That's pretty solid. But, I mean, their commitments beyond, you know, the, these two seasons are not very many. Uh, Jamie Alexiak, they signed, and Larson, they signed. So um, they have a lot of cap space. We'll have to wait and see what they do with it. But they kind of went with, you know, cheaper guys, and not some of them not necessarily NHL players. You know, Jake Bean. Seemed to be the one everyone thought they were taking from Carolina, but they took uh, Morgan Geeky, Manitoban, and who they took this Curtis McDermott from LA. Everyone thought you know Blake Blake Lazard was the popular pick. I mean, we'll see. I I don't know what else they're gonna do. They have all these draft picks. They have cap space. Um, you know, we thought maybe they would be a playoff team, but they didn't take any of the big names: Carey Price, Tarasenko, Goss, Despair. You know, just got given away, and we can we can get to that. Uh, who else? <laughs> there were a bunch of a bunch of other Max Domi. They didn't pick. Uh, they took this Gavin Bayreuther, who no one had even even heard of. So uh, it's an interesting. I think it was definitely interesting uh, what what they did here. Well, it, it was, and 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 I think it just goes to show that this is far from being done yet. And you know, there's teams that are going to need to clear cap now. The trade freeze is off. We could see deals happen going into the draft, and you know, as well going into free agency. And, of course, they're going to have more money than any team to spend in free agency. They already grabbed two of the free agents that they wanted. And it's an interesting way of doing it. I mean, they could have picked other players from Edmonton and from Dallas and still gone ahead and tried to sign those players to those deals. Um, but it was part of the plan. It seemed like they wanted to get that done. They wanted to introduce the players and have them be, 
you know, Kraken in the expansion draft right from day one. Um, and, you know, not take on salaries from other players because those were the guys they wanted. So we'll get Ken Weeb's take on all of this. Just quickly before we move off hockey for a second, Reem, uh, Ghost Bear on his way to Zona. Arizona has done, we had such a good laugh about the Andrew Ladd trade where they got Andrew Ladd, two second rounders and a third rounder for nothing. They've done it again and taken on another contract to get picks and, uh, you know, deal with it. Um, and it sounds like Andrew Ladd's planning on playing. Uh, they're planning on giving him a chance to play and be on the lineup. And uh, I'm sure Shane Gotts' bear coming out of Philly will certainly be a player that'll be on the ice. And what did they get? A second rounder and a seventh rounder just for yeah. taking the Ghost's bear contract? Here's the trade on Cap Friendly tweeting out to Arizona, a Gosses <laughs> bear, a second round and a seventh round from St. Louis to Philadelphia. No return. I'm just waiting for like someone on some Islanders fan or Flyers fan to get a jersey with no return on the back. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I know Islanders fan, although you know, if Ladzon was injured last year, I mean, it doesn't really hurt your salary cap. But if he's healthy and you, you were telling me that he's going to play in Arizona, I mean, that's a lot of money for a player who hasn't played, who's been injured and hasn't produced. So Hey, they might that, need that to get to the floor. Yeah. I mean, honestly, with, with where they're at right now, I mean, uh, that that's going to be, a, we'll have to get Craig Morgan or someone on maybe when we get out of free agency just to talk about, yeah. because that, that franchise, we don't talk a lot about them. I mean, they haven't been very relevant almost ever, but, you know, everything that happened with John Chica losing uh, their first round pick this year, I think was a huge, huge penalty to a team that, you know, was trying to, draft and develop players and you know it's not one of the big players when it comes to free agency um you know we heard that they were willing to move off oliver ekman larson who's making eight a year as their top defenseman um so uh, there uh, that is going to be one market to watch that's maybe operating a little differently than many of the others in the league they they also yeah before we go on to the other news they didn't have that first round pick so they did get a pick here from uh who was the picks they got a bunch of you know they're trading for picks here um to help you know replenish they got the ones from you know philadelphia next year like they got a bunch don't have a first round pick this year they got three seconds next year they have four seconds um that's interesting and here's their here's their players it's kind of fun just to browse cap friendly but i guess andrew ladd would be yeah there he is he's a buried he's got what 4.35 cap hit that's actually not i thought it was more than that for some reason but oh We'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with yeah. Arizona. Inter- interesting what what they're doing. No doubt. And just one other note. Speaking of Arizona, um, Ben Pope um, from uh, in Chicago mentioned that the uh, black. He was speaking with the Blackhawks scouting director Mark Kelly, who is previewing the draft. Uh, Mark Kelly's quote was, "We know that forfeiture is going in the top eleven, um, which is a great line and a nice dig at at, at the Coyotes." Although I will say this would be a lot funnier if it was coming from anybody other than the director of scouting of the Chicago Blackhawks, because uh, I would be stunned if forfeiture might not end up going in the first round again, coming soon, considering um, what's happening and what probably will have as this investigation continues. So um, anyways, all that's coming up. Can we coming up in just a minute? Uh, I, I do want to mention Reem, a couple of uh, great news stories on the local sports scene, just before we get to that. Uh, the Gold Eyes announced today that the fish are coming back to Winnipeg. Home opener is August 3rd. And uh, it sounds like everything has been signed, sealed, and delivered, signed off. The goalies, uh, sorry, the goalies, the Gold Eyes, players, coaches, everyone's going to be fully vaccinated. Visiting teams coming in 
will be fully vaccinated. If guys aren't fully vaccinated, they won't be crossing the border. Um, and, you know, for all the teams, they probably will have to leave a few guys back. And I wouldn't be surprised if the gold eyes uh, might have to, you know, change their roster a little bit, considering that if there are players that don't want to get vaccinated. So, um, listen, for baseball fans here, we've been missing the fish. Um, it's just phenomenal because the schedule has rarely been been friendly to at least fans here. And I'm not sure whether they were hoping this would happen, and this is the reason why it was set up. But I believe starting on the August 3rd, over the month, 20 regular season home games at Shaw Park. So you can find out more at goldeyes.com. Steve Schuster's done a full uh, media release on that. Um, and if, if you're a Gold Eyes ticket holder, uh, you're probably getting a call today or tomorrow letting you know how this is going to work and uh, getting you set up. But uh, baseball season will happen here in Manitoba. And the other great news is that Assiniboia Downs is going to be opening up to fans. 50% fans have to be fully vaccinated, much like the Gold Eyes and the Bombers. Um, they'll be opening up the main floor, the outdoor area, um, to fully vaccinated fans up to 50% capacity. And that is going the next night of live racing. Come Monday, July 26th, it will be open. And um, probably into August at some point, uh, we'll plan to do something at the ballpark with Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners, and we'll certainly do something out at Assiniboia Downs. And just before we get to Ken Weeb, uh, we do want to thank our friends at Royal Sports. Uh, you know, hockey season is here, which is crazy to think about. Um, the the time off of the ice for so many uh, has um, you know led to some incredible anticipation for the upcoming season. And with the health restrictions loosening, I imagine there'll be a lot of people getting on the ice. Uh, that also means you might need some new gear. Maybe the, the skates don't fit as well as they did before. Royal Sports, your number one stop for all things hockey. And if you do have a hockey player or someone in the family that's looking for a gig, a new job, uh, I do know Royal Sports is hiring right now. If you want to go to their Royal Sports Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina, you can see it right there on the screen. Uh, they are hiring. You can find out more. Um, certainly, I've known a ton of people over the course of the last 20, 25 years that have worked for the Hasbeaks over at Royal. Really, really fun place to do it. And uh, needless to say, you're working in the coolest store, talking sports and working sports. Um, it's a great spot if you're involved in the in the sports. So check it out, Royal Sports. And of course, while you're there, bikes, camping gear, expanded fitness section, the best selection of licensed merchandise from the main leagues, anywhere you'll find. It's all there at Royal Sports, 650 Rally DK, 750 Pemina Highway. And we are waiting the Winnipeg Sports Talk hats we did with our friends at Royal Sports and New Era. And we'll hopefully have those available coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, of course, it's blizzard season. Well, it's always blizzard season, but especially with this beautiful weather. Pop down and grab one at one of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations in Winnipeg. DQ Northgate, DQ out in Niverville, the DQ at Polo Park, and the DQ at St. Anne's. And if you're uh, either hosting or attending a gathering, as it were, well, why don't you uh, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba, order a cake in advance, pop by and pick it up and be the hero of the gathering. And a big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza with the new rules. You know, we'll be able to uh, you know get out for watch Bomber games, Blue Jays games, and of course, coming up with the hockey season, Jets games back in the BP Lounge. Uh, but right now, it's the patio who really is the place to be. And they've got the new summer menu, including the honey dill fried chicken sandwich, the burger Italiano, and on the patio, the great new cocktails for summer, the Bulldog Margarita Fish Bowl, the White Sangria Smash, the Peachy Mojito Royale, and the Galaxy Fish Bowl. Pop by your local Boston pizza tonight. 
tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. All right. Um, it has been, you know, we've been we've been working overtime trying to find an availability for our good friend Ken Weave, who's been, you know, smoking drives, dropping putts, touring the province. <laughs> But it's a big time right now, and Ken has kindly made some time for his friends at Winnipeg Sports Talk after an epic Winnipeg media challenge at Falcon Lake earlier this week. But uh, lots going on. Kenny's back on the grind, and he's back on WST. What's going on, boss? How are you? Uh, very good, Huss. Uh, welcome back from Aikens. Uh, glad you had a good fishing trip. Uh, yes, the golf tour has been going well, but nice to be uh, immersed in some hockey coverage uh, for this week and change. And uh, some interesting developments today, Huss, as you know. Yeah, well, absolutely. And just quickly on that, what did you shoot at Falcon? I heard Billick went 43 on the back nine and dropped a 92. Very impressed with his score. Yeah, he had a solid round. I, I was lucky, fortunate enough to beat him by one on the back. Uh, it was only an 87, but uh, I had uh, five or six three putts. The ball striking, very good, Huss, but uh, I have, to, uh, I have to admit, I need a, I need a flat stick lesson. Yeah, uh, Derek Goodwin is probably going to be getting a call here in the next uh, week or so. It's a bit. It's been rough. I've been in the 40s with my putts lately, so we got to get that cleaned up. Ken, I've been telling you this for years. Don't, don't worry about the putting coat. You need a mental coach. It's all <laughs> between the ears, Ken. It's all between the ears. Hey, listen, let's get to it. We'll get to Seattle in a minute. Sure. Um, uh, what do you make of uh, what we've seen today? Uh, Ned going to the Detroit Red Wings, Mike Smith signing a two-year deal, and the Coyotes pulling off another deal for no return. I just love it. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, the big news for me is uh, Nedeljkovic. Uh, so obviously, we know that Carolina is a team that uh, you know sets a certain value on its players, and if you don't agree to that value, uh, you can search elsewhere for an opportunity. So, uh, rolling the dice a little bit, but I would expect them to be in the market for a number one goaltender here coming up. Uh, Jonathan Bernier is a very stable backup, but uh, I would expect them to be in the market and. Man, maybe that uh, gets them into the uh, Vegas Golden Knights vicinity, Huss. Uh, for me, immediately, I think uh, maybe that's a potential landing spot for Marc-Andre Fleury. We know that Fleury has said he'd like to finish his career in Vegas, but uh, I think it's I have a hard time believing that. I mean, sure, it's possible that they can return with both goaltenders, but I think that this is the summer that uh, either Fleury or Robin Leonard are moved. And, I mean, Leonard just signed a new deal last year, so I, I have a hard time believing that Leonard will be out the door, but... We know Kelly McCrimmon and company are not afraid to make uh, uh, decisions, uh, tough decisions, if you will. And I really like the additions that they made in, in Nolan Patrick uh, this week. I mean, I really like the, it's a smart pickup. I know there's been some injury history and, and obviously to Brett Howden. I think that's a really smart pickup. I mean, uh, Vegas is a, is a team that values its third and fourth lines. And I think that Howden will fit in really well there. And, and Patrick is a great bounce back candidate as long as he can stay healthy. Nobody knows him better than Kelly McCrimmon. And, uh, I think eventually once he gets back up to full speed, he could be a guy that really flourishes, whether that's with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty or, or somewhere else in the lineup. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, uh, talking to uh, uh, a friend uh, that's associated <laughs> with that, I mean, I think it, it's safe to say that, you know, Kelly McCrimmon had had his eyes on Nolan Patrick for a long, long time. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, it's such a weird thing, and especially for, you know, you that's covered hockey in this market for so long. To see a essentially a one for one trade in the National Hockey League um, with two young top five picks, both from Winnipeg, it will probably yeah. be waiting for that for a long time. But you know, it sort of speaks to some struggles Cody Glass had at you know at, at cracking that lineup. And you look at what happened with Nick Suzuki; they held on to Glass 
didn't want to trade Glass and gave up Suzuki in that Max Pacioretty trade might be different if they redid it. Um, but for Nolan Patrick, I mean, injury issues and whatnot, I'm looking for somewhat of a fresh start. But you know that Kelly McCrimmon's thinking about the high-end potential of Nolan Patrick, and I'd imagine that if he can stay healthy, he'll get every opportunity to really turbocharge his career in the desert. Yeah, he really will. And obviously, we know the injury issues are well-documented, but uh, Hasai covered the Western Hockey League final that year, and man, he was just an absolute dominant force uh, for me. And uh, Kelly knows the potential. He knows the ability. This is a guy that can really shoot the puck. He's a very cerebral player, and he's a very good playmaker. So we know that uh, you know Vegas has had some trouble scoring goals uh, when it comes to the later rounds, but uh, he's a guy that can really help on both those fronts. Really good shooter and a really good setup man. So, and there's also no pressure for him to immediately be a number one, you know, centerman. I mean, they have Chandler Stevenson there, but I think eventually Patrick could be in a really good fit and really good player there. And I think he's going to do a great job and I think it'll put him in a really good space. We know the Philadelphia market uh, can be, uh, difficult on its players. It can, uh, you know, <laughs> spit you out and uh, chew you up, if you will. But uh, I think that Nolan Patrick is going to an excellent situation. Uh, and I think he's going to absolutely flourish with this opportunity. Ken Weeb with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Kenny, let's focus on the Jets. We spent a lot of time the last couple months talking about who would be protected uh, and who would be lost. And I think it's safe to say, um, you know, many of our conversations at the development of Logan Stanley were on the money. that He was the guy that was selected because I think many people believe that he would have been picked, even if he doesn't fit in right into the plans immediately, the potential of a player like Stanley would be too much for a guy like Ron Francis to move. Uh, a lot of people were very concerned that Dylan DeMello would go. And I would imagine Cheval Dayoff was one of those players, one of those people as well. Um, you don't like to lose Mason Appleton, but given the fact that you know you were losing a player, um, I think everyone would agree that the Jets have far more ability to lose someone from the forward core than the defense core. Would you say this worked out uh, with all due respect to Appleton, who was great for the Winnipeg Jets and had a real solid season? It worked out about as well as could have been expected, considering they didn't have to give up anything um, to have them select Appleton. And, uh, you know, the defense core is still intact, although still needing some additions for next year. Yeah, Huss, I mean, first and foremost, uh, shout out to you for having that for quite some time in terms of the development discussions and the debates. Uh, and some folks were not in agreement and some folks... Uh, didn't like your suggestion, but uh, you had it bang on from the beginning. Uh, best case scenario is the best way to describe it, Huston. That is not a knock on Mason Appleton. Uh, people who have been following your show and following my work know that I picked Appleton to be the breakout player or you know surprise candidate for this year, and he absolutely was that player with uh, 12 goals and 25 points. He's really developed well into a middle six forward after being a sixth round draft pick uh, out of the USHL. Really hardworking guy. We know that uh, you know he probably hasn't hit his ceiling yet. He's going to be a consistent double digit goal scorer. He's got great speed. Probably one of the best at getting to the back post uh, on the Winnipeg Jets and getting you know by the rebound goals or banging in backdoor tap ins. Really smart penalty killer when used in that role and can give you some help on the second power play if you need him to do so. I think it's a great opportunity for him. And I think right out of the gate, Seattle knows what Tampa Bay was able to have success with. For me, I think you immediately put Brandon Tanev and Mason Appleton on a line together and you have two thirds of a really good third line. And if if it's possible, I mean, those guys could potentially move up if you need them to, but that's a really good third line uh, with the potential to move up if you had to. In terms of the Jets, 
not losing to Mello is absolutely massive. I know that, uh, you know, this, this uh, point of contention has been uh, hotly contested, but uh, not having to replace two top four defensemen is an absolute, uh, you know, it's a, it's a win for the Jets. There's no doubt about that. If they had lost to Mello, their job would have got exponentially more difficult. Uh, it was a calculated risk for sure, Huss. I think there probably would have been some anxious moments, but uh, we know that Kevin Chevalier off and company would have done their due diligence and, it worked out for them. I mean, some people are saying, well, you shouldn't give the Jets credit because it worked out for them. Uh, two things can be simultaneously <laughs> true. It, it can be a calculated risk, but it could also be the right decision at the same time. And for the Jets, in this case, it certainly was that. So the bigger thing, Huss, is that now they have to fill that other spot, right? So as great as the news was for the Winnipeg Jets yesterday, uh, two of their potential targets are also off the board and Adam yeah. Larson and Jamie Alexiak, who we know the jets were definitely in on Alexiak at the trade deadline. He would have received an offer very similar to what he got from uh, Seattle. Would they have been comfortable with five years? We don't know that currently, but we know that that's what it was going to take to win the bid. So uh, the job will become still difficult, but I mean, the job is obviously easier when you only have to replace one of those guys instead of two. So I would say the jets <clears throat> are in a pretty good spot and you know, this was a potential a road with uh, navigating with uh, potential to have many potholes to elude. And I would say that uh, the jets were able to elude the majority of those potholes, but uh, now it's all about uh, making sure the road is completely uh, smoothed over, if you will, when it comes to building that defense core, because I don't know about you, Huss, but I've been looking at that UFA list and, beyond Dougie Hamilton, I don't see a lot of really great options when it comes to the UFA candidates on the right side. So to me, that means you either got to move one of your guys onto the right side or you have to make a trade. And I think that uh, we're seeing some trades come and start happening. But right now, Huss, I don't know about you, but for me, I think the best chance for the Jets to fill that void is in a trade, unless they're able to you know, swing for the fences and get a Dougie Hamilton. Does Brandon Montour fit in the uh, with the Jets if he was uh, he was there? He's sort of that that next tier of guys sure. that you know is established and would probably fit a need. I guess the question is, is that good enough? Uh, and, and is there a better option on the trade market? And as far as the trade market goes, uh, you know we'll get to free agency next week. Uh, what what intrigues you about the Jets situation going into tomorrow night and the first round? Um, you know, it, it, we, if we're talking about a potential trade, does it happen this weekend, or is that something that maybe need to see how things shake out going into free agency and then make uh, make a move? Yeah, two big things at, at play there, Huss. I think the fact that the Jets only have the four picks, uh, I would think that I'd be pretty comfortable suggesting that they're probably going to make that pick at. Uh, 18-17, as after the forfeiture, as you earlier mentioned, it will be the 18th overall pick in the annals of history, but it will be the 17th player chosen. Uh, some intriguing candidates uh, at a lot of variety of positions they wrote about today, uh, including Winnipegger Carson Lambos. And sure, folks are going to say, well, the Jets have a quote-unquote stacked left side already, and their prospects are you know tilted to that left side. But to me, you know, Carson Lambos is an NHL prospect in you know two or three four years down the road so i don't think that you don't take him because he's a left-handed shooting defenseman if you see that high-end ceiling that he was displaying two years ago when he was a full-time player and had such a great year so to me i think i expect the jets to make that pick but i also expect a lot of other things to be in play uh, and the other factor huss we know and we'll dive right into it is the status of andrew cop's situation we know what we expect negotiations are already ongoing uh, some folks saw saturday as a bit of a deadline but to me that was an artificial deadline andrew cop was always going to be protected by the winnipeg jets uh, i think that 
there are two sides that want to make a deal here. But at some point, there's going to come a time, the you know moment of truth, if you will, and some of the developments in the recent history and memory will play a role. I mean, we know Zach Hyman, if his number's coming in at just over five or right around five, uh, now Ryan Nugent Hopkins coming in around five, we know that Andrew Copps camp probably wanted somewhere in the vicinity of $5 million, depending on the term. So, um, we've always talked before that, you know, the Jets would probably like that number to be closer to Alex Iafalo and the LA Kings. And that's around four. So is there middle ground that's found or where do they get to? But what we do know is that we don't expect this to reach the arbitration stage. We know that the player elected arbitration is an option for Andrew Kopp. But if that happens, we expect a deal to be made uh, in terms of a trade before that ruling comes down because the Jets aren't going to let Andrew Andrew Kopp play his last year and, and walk for nothing. So uh, I do think there's still, a, you know, I don't know if there's momentum in the negotiations or not. I would expect we know that Andrew Kopp wants to be part of this team and we know the Jets want him to be part of it. We know he's part of the core group. He's part of the leadership group. And now it's all about finding a number in term that both sides are comfortable with. So Having said all that, obviously we know the top priority for the Jets is adding another defenseman. Uh, Neil Pionk could move into that top role with Adam or with uh, Josh Morrissey. You know, maybe you look for a second pairing guy, but uh, I, I am more likely thinking that it's going to be a Logan Stanley playing with Neil Pionk, and then you're going to find a partner for Josh Morrissey, and then you probably have Hanela with Demello in that mentorship role. But you know that you can also play Demello in that top pairing role as well. So it's all about. You know, we know it's a big supply and demand. We know there's a lot of teams looking to upgrade their defense core. So uh, are you going to take a big swing or do you have to make a trade? I mean, those are the big questions that the Jets are faced with right now. But in terms of their lineup, uh, they have some young forwards that we know need work. We know or need to be getting full-time work, including David Gustafson, who's the Manitoba Moose MVP. Uh, to me, I have him on that fourth line center role. If you wanted to move him to the wing, could you fill him into that spot vacated by Mason Appleton? Sure. Uh, Jansen Harkins is a guy who's looking for a bounce back season. We know Christian Veselainen moved his way up the depth chart this year. So there are a lot of pieces at the forward position where the Jets are uh, you know, in pretty good shape, but I wouldn't rule out them looking there too. And we all know the other development, uh, you know, broken by Darren Drager today, as it pertains to Cole Perfetti. This is a big deal, Hassan. Yeah, I mean, if exactly. this real I change to get to is this made... I wanted to get to this with you. I mean, just for folks, if they they have missed this, we were uh, saving it for you. But we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the Perfetti situation. And, you know, as it stands right now, as a 19-year-old drafted out of the Canadian Hockey League, you're either making the National Hockey League team or you're going back to junior. And, you know, it's been well documented what he did at the AHL level and playing at the World Championships. It doesn't seem like there's much to be gained by Cole Perfetti. And I guess what Dregs, you know, broke earlier today is that, you know, what is being thrown out there that players that played 20 games in the American league last year, of which Perfetti is one of, um, would have the opportunity to play in the American hockey league. And if that is approved, that is big for, I'd say the jets and Cole Perfetti, um, that he could play professional hockey. And I still think he may very well get an opportunity to play with the jets. Um, but if that isn't the case, you know, playing in the American Hockey League did him a lot of good last year and I'm sure would do um, very as well this year. What are you hearing on that, Ken? And just your thoughts on what that maybe does to, you know, the conversations around Perfetti and where he would end up next season if that wasn't an option. 
Yeah, so it's, it's a massive development, both for the player and for the Jets organization. Obviously, we know that there have been circumstances in the past where, you know, that we would have loved to have been able to send Mark Shifley uh, to the minors rather than send him back to Barry the second time, I think. And no offense to his development at Barry and with the World Juniors and everything else, but mm-hmm. he was ready for that next challenge. And based on how Perfetti was able to uh, use his spatial awareness and his hockey IQ and hockey sense to be a, a, such a consistent performer at the American Hockey League level. For him, he needs to be challenged. So being challenged, and that's not a knock on the Ontario Hockey League, which is a great league, but unless he's going back to a Memorial Cup contender, for him, the next step is to steal an NHL job or to be playing in the American Hockey League and furthering his development. And the biggest thing with that, Huss, that we know is even if, I mean, I think that he's going to get his chance. He's going to get a run to to show that he's an NHL player. But if he's not quite there yet, then the ability to send him to the Manitoba Moose and to have him one phone call away and be able to have him called up rather than sending him back to junior and then saying, well, when your junior season's over, you either join the Moose or you hopefully get yourself into a Cole Caulfield situation. Well, now they wouldn't have to worry about that. Now you have him with the Manitoba Moose or you have him with the Winnipeg Jets if he wins the job. And uh, we know that this is a guy who came a long way in one year at a time where many of his peers didn't even get to play hockey last year. So Perfetti used that year of development so wisely. Uh, He's such a smart player. We know that he is valued for all the tools that he brings. Uh, I mean, this summer, it's all about a great summer of training and everything else. Great for him to be able to go to the world junior camp, but I mean, this is his first NHL camp, so he's going to have to go out and win a job. And I think that he will be prepared to make the decision as difficult as humanly possible for Paul Maurice and Kevin Sheveldayoff and company. Ken Weave joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. One of the other things that's being mentioned, I guess somewhat in relation to Perfetti, but also you know, another story with the Winnipeg Jets is Paul Stastny's status. You heard anything about conversations with Stastny from the Winnipeg Jets and um, I, I guess I won't put you on the spot saying what will happen. What do you expect? But uh, is Paul Stastny still a possibility for next year? And if he does or doesn't sign, what does that mean for the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, I would think that it's still a, a possibility for the Jets, of course, Huss, but it would have to be at a discount from his salary from last year. And what, what that number is, we don't know. I mean, there's going to be genuine interest in Paul Stastny's status. I don't think we're looking at a Joe Thornton league minimum situation for him, but I do think you'll have to take a significant haircut from the 6.5 that he made last year. Uh, to me, it's going to be all about fit. Paul Stastny's a guy who wants to win. He's He's knocked on the door several times in his career before. Uh, He's a guy that's going to make sense on a lot of levels. I mean, I think about who the Tampa Bay Lightning could lose, and I think that Paul Stasty would be a great fit there. Some people say, well, he does. He's no, he's not the fleetest of foot, but he's he's the type of smart, uh, intelligent player that really could could flourish with a team like Tampa Bay. I think the Colorado Avalanche are going to be a team that are interested in adding some more center depth and an experienced guy like Paul Stasty, who's been to the conference final several occasions. Uh, I think the Minnesota Wild could be kicking the tires uh, on Paul Stastny, but ultimately I think the Jets would be interested, Huss, but I, it's all about the number. Is that number 3 million? Is that number 2 million? I don't know that at this point, and it, we won't know. This is the one time where not having the uh, interview period window kind of hurts uh, hurts the situation, I think, but I would think that the Jets are certainly interested. We know he's been a great mentor for Pierre-Luc Dubois. We know he has great relationships with guys like Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Andrew Kopp, and guys like that, and I think he's still a very capable player. Uh, so he will be valued in the open market, but it'll be on a short-term deal. And uh, I think the only thing that maybe works against the Jets in the situation 
was nothing they did. It was the pandemic. I think it would have been a tough scenario uh, for Paul and his family in Winnipeg last year with not, just not having that ability to have those same interactions that you would normally have. But uh, this is a guy who loves the game. His pursuit of the uh, Stanley Cup final, you know, he wants to win it. He wants to be on that trophy, Huss, so that that's what drives him to play. I think he's still a very capable player. We've seen that. He's so smart. He can help a team's power play. And uh, I do think that he's not going to have trouble finding work Uh, where that work is going to lead him uh, still would be a bit of a mystery right now. But I do think the Jets are interested in bringing him back uh, at the right price, if you will. Yeah, you know, I I do, too. And I think that it's probably more likely that he comes back or at least that they make a significant push to get him um, just because of what we saw from Pierre-Luc Dubois last year. And, you know, it's not a, a knock on Dubois. I mean, I think they still believe in him, but. You know, it just it didn't really work out in that first season. And, you know, if it if it doesn't going forward and you don't have Paul Stastny, you've got a pretty significant issue there in the top six of the uh, of the forwards. Um, but again, that's why so many people will bring up Perfetti. I'm not here saying that he's ready to just pop in and be a top six center right now in the National Hockey League. But um, it, it is quite intriguing because as much as we spend a lot of time obsessing over what's happening with the Jet Blue Line, there are also some questions about the forward group, and that was even before Mason Appleton got picked because I think a lot of people thought that they would get victimized on that blue line of either Stanley or DeMello. Yeah, for sure, Huss. I mean, Paul Stastny is the ultimate insurance policy for all of the things that you mentioned. He's a great mentor for Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's a great safety valve if you need him to move back to center, and he'd be a great guy for Cole Perfetti to learn from as well, right? I mean, this is a guy, Cole Perfetti is a sponge. He loves the game. He soaks up everything about it. He loves talking about it. Uh, Paul Stastny is a great veteran. The beauty of Stastny Huss is that if you wanted to play Paul Stastny on the third line with Adam Lowry, you know he can do the job. He did it last year briefly. Uh, you could play those guys together. I mean, Stastny's comfortable on the right side, depending on what happens with Andrew Kopp. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said and a lot to be made for Paul Stastny returning. Uh, but it all comes down to dollars and cents. And, you know, who else is coming back? I mean, we w- the one thing we saw, Huss, from the teams that made it to the Final Four, they all had a very capable fourth line. And as I mentioned earlier, David Gustafson has to play this year. He's ready to play on your penalty kill if you're the Winnipeg Jets. He's ready for a bigger role. Uh, Christian Veselainen showed at times he's ready for a bigger role. Those guys had chemistry together with the Moose. Do you play them together? You could. Veselainen might be with Lowry. Like, let's see how these things play out. But I, I think that there could be in the market... One of the things we know, Huss, after Shifley went out of the series with the suspension, Jets didn't score. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe in the mix for some of these guys. I mean, one thing that I thought uh, with Ottawa talking about Evgeny Dodonov, I mean, here's a guy that is going to be available. He is a you know consistent you know 20-ish kind of goal scorer. Uh, he has a big frame. He doesn't really play a physical game, but... Uh, He's a guy that can play either wing. And for a team that doesn't have a lot of right wing depth, to me, he's a guy that could make some sense depending on the price tag. But uh, that's one of the guys that I would would be on the lookout for on the trade market. We know Ottawa's got a lot of young forwards they want to insert into the lineup. Uh, Maybe that could be a way that the Jets go if they're looking to add offense uh, in a bit of a bigger frame. All right, one more Jet question before we get back to the Kraken and everything else in the league. If the Jets are going to address the defense and assuming assumably the right side of the defense for this year, do you think they're looking for a player with term or is it a player on a one-year or a two-year deal? And are there any names that come to mind that you think Chevy might be kicking tires on? 
Sure. I mean, we know the name in the news right now is Rasmus Ristolainen. We know the Jets have been linked to him in the past. They've been interested in his services. Uh, we know that uh, the underlying numbers don't paint a pretty picture for the Buffalo Sabres defenseman. But one thing I would say... Yeah, was, there, was there good for anybody on the Buffalo Sabres no, last exactly. year? <laughs> I would say this is how I would describe it and how I've said it to people before. I mean, Ristolainen is in a situation that was similar to where Tyler Myers was at when he joined the Winnipeg Jets. He had been through a a long stretch of losing where things had been very challenging. Uh, I think he would really benefit from a fresh start, if you will. Uh, Obviously, we know that his analytics uh, and his analytic numbers are not good, but he's the kind of guy that has some of the elements the Jets are lacking on the back end and things that they are looking for in terms of size and physical play. Uh, And he's pretty mobile for a big guy. He's got a big shot. Yes, I understand a lot of his points come on the power play, but you're not bringing in Ristolainen to be a Dougie Hamilton. You're bringing him in to play a a shutdown role uh, with a Josh Morrissey. So uh, all about the price for me. I mean, the one thing with Ristolainen is he only has one year left of term. I think it's around $5.5 million. So, I mean, are you willing to go, Dylan? And Sandberg and a, and a pick or a prospect. I mean, that that's a steep price to pay. No, no, no. no. Cons- exactly. So for me, the bigger one has. What are the Nashville Predators doing? Right? Are they rebuilding or are they spinning their tires? Or what's David Poyle going to do next? They protected five defensemen. If the Nashville Predators are going to go on or any sort of rebuild, and if Ekholm is available, the Jets absolutely have to. Uh, put together the best package possible. Of course, it would have been better to get Ekholm for last year at the deadline to get two runs at it. But we know that that fell through because the price tag was too high and Nashville felt that they were still in it. To me, if Nashville is rebuilding after moving out Ryan Ellis, uh, that is the prime target for me. Uh, if I'm Kevin Cheveldayoff, uh, I think it's very interesting to see what Nashville does. I don't know if he's available, but if he is, uh, then I think you're looking at, at reassessing what the best offer that you can make is. Uh, but of course, they want to have a long range solution. Huh? So a, one, a guy in a one year term like Aristolainen or Ekholm, it, it's a little bit um, it would it would provide immediate relief. But I think the Jets are looking for more long range relief. But at the same time, maybe they want to make an offer that they could extend one of those players if, if they were in the bidding. But I think it's a fascinating time coming up for the Jets. I think the roster is going to look a little bit different uh, by the time we get to July 29th, how that looks and where those changes come. I mean, that's the beauty of what we do. We're going to follow it as close as we can. And uh, right now the crystal ball looks a little bit cloudy, but I think uh, a lot of things are going to be coming into focus over this next uh, eight day period here. All right, Kenny Weeb with us uh, talking uh, Jets and everything happening around the National Hockey League. Oh, one more just on the Jets. Matthew Perot. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think they'll be talking with Perot about potentially coming back at a obviously less than he was making last year? Or is that one of those spots that will be opened up to a younger player or potentially a newcomer? Yeah, I think the Jets uh, value Matthew Perot and what he has done. Uh, if I had to bet uh, on the cool bet train, Huss, I would I would bet that Matthew Perot is moving on to another opportunity. But uh, on a one year deal for a mill or a mill and a half, I mean, I would certainly consider bringing him back if I was Kevin Chevalier off. But uh, they also have some young forwards that they want to be getting into full time duty. So I'm not expecting Matthew Perot to come back, but I think the door is definitely open uh, that for for both sides to consider a reunion. But at this stage, I would say it's unlikely that he will return unless you know depending on how the market shakes out. But I'm not expecting Matthew Perot to be back. Uh, He was one of the smart free agent additions for the Winnipeg Jets uh, when he was not qualified by the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, I think that was one of the shrewdest moves that the Jets made that, that first deal. I think, what is it? Three years at three, uh, three million 
a shot. I mean, obviously, Perot did enough to earn a big, ra- or a, you know, significant raise to four point one two five or whatever it was. And uh, here's a guy who plays his behind off Huss. We know that he's a guy who can give you. Uh, minutes up and down your lineup. He, he helps the power play. He's a real good team player and, and gives you everything that he has. So that type of player would be welcome back on any hockey team. But right now I would guess that uh, he's looking for another opportunity. And to me, I think that he'd be a guy that would be great. I, I mentioned Tampa earlier. I mean, Tampa's going to be needing those Pat Maroon type contract guys. I think that Matthew Perot would be an incredibly great addition. And there you're, when you're going for a three-peat hustle, you're always looking for guys that are hungry. I think Matthew Perot would be an excellent addition around that $1 million mark for a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. All right, Ken. Now, one other question of a player that we have not brought up. Um, you can see this right here. Our guy, Sammy Niku. I'm, a, I'm an owner of this Upper Deck Clearcut rookie card. Uh, what are the chances sure. Niku is a Winnipeg Jet next week? Uh, that's, uh, I, I'm not going to go zero, but I'm going to go a number probably closer. Uh, 10%. Like is, he a, is he a player that they might move at the, yeah. uh, at, because the one thing about Niku is that I think there'd be some interest and you already mentioned the jets only have four picks in this draft. Yeah. Now I, I had speculated that depending on the way their, um, draft board looks. And I think that, you know, we're going to talk to Michael Farkas a little later on from hockey prospect on this and Scott Wheeler tomorrow. I expect these less draft lists to be incredibly different from team to team. And they often are anyways. But then when you add in the scouting challenges this year, like if the Jets get to 18 and they have, you know, three or four guys that they still feel are first round value and they can pick up a second rounder by moving back, you know, eight or nine spots or something like that. First of all, I think that might be in the mix. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they have decided that Sammy, you know, is just is too far down on the pecking order. They've got other young defensemen that they want to get in ahead of him. You know, might they trade him now and you know in before the draft um, to potentially add a little bit more uh, draft capital, if you will, to stockpile having only four going into this weekend. Yeah, for sure. I would expect Niku to be involved in some discussions. I just don't know what the value is. Obviously, the Jets would still like to get significant, you know, decent value, but I think it's probably you know right now. You know, if we're guessing, it had to be somewhere in a later round pick us uh, for Niku's services. But he'd be a guy that would have a lot of appeal. What do we know? A lot of owners lost a lot of money last year, and a lot of teams are looking for salary cap space, including the you know Seattle Kraken. So, if you have a player that is uh, at I think seven seventy five or whatever, I think that's what it is for this year, and then you would have team control after that. I think that Niku would be viewed as a potential bounce back candidate also just because of the mobility and because he has that AHL uh, strong season where he was the Eddie Shorter winner as defenseman of the year. Um, But I don't think a lot of teams would be giving a lot up for him. I do think that it's probably best for both sides to, uh, you know, start a fresh relationship elsewhere. It's probably time to cut the cord. Uh, I mean, Niku wasn't even practicing with the Jets last year at the end of the year. So uh, I think he's ready for a fresh start and I think that he will be moved. Uh, I don't know if it's before the draft. I would expect it to be before the draft, but uh, I'm not 100% sure on, you know, what the asking price or the going rate is to acquire Sam and Niku, but I don't expect him to be back with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, no matter what's happening on the back end. I think that both sides are probably Probably going to head towards a, a divorce, if you will. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to add a you know a later round pick for Sammy Niku, or maybe he's part of a a bigger package uh, 
you know, on, on something like an Ekholm or Aristolainen, where one of those teams uh, would be looking for Niku as a value added kind of proposition, if you will, uh, leading, you know, into the season or into the draft. But I think it, we're in for a few frantic days of activity, uh, certainly watching what's going to be happening with Seth Jones. Uh, we know we know about the moves around the division. We know, you know, Ryan Suter, where is he going to land? I mean, is Seth Jones, does he end up in Chicago? Does he end up in Dallas? I think there's a lot of things that are in play. We know Shane Gostaspare going to the Arizona Coyotes, and it'll, it'll take some time to get used to that. But the Coyotes are now in the central division, right, Huss? I mean, this is something that it's going to take a little bit of getting used to. But uh, I think probably Jets fans, uh, once that border opens up, they'll be happy to add a, a extra road trip to Arizona in, in the coming, uh, coming month if you will. So excited to see that schedule coming out here in, in this afternoon also. Yeah, definitely. We'll uh, chop that up tomorrow on the on the program as well as uh, some more draft talk going into uh, the first round on Friday and, of course, the rest of the festivities on Saturday. Um, Ken, let's get back to yesterday. What did you think about the, uh, the picks of the Kraken? First of all, that there were no side deals made was sort of a mind-blowing um, revelation that we found out today. I think a lot of people were at, okay, well, why the heck did? Because there were some guys that I mean, to be honest, my my take now, knowing what we know, is that you know there were players that Ron Francis just decided to for teams that to basically just pass on. I mean, they took John Quenville. John Quenville is going to be a free agent going forward. I mean, there's some they grabbed some younger players at the expense of some more established players. But to me, it comes back to the fact that maybe the most valuable asset the Kraken had before they even made any picks was the ability to have a ton of cap space and weaponize that with some teams that need to make moves. Uh, thoughts on that and what we can deduce from the selections that Francis made. Yeah, certainly interesting, Huss. Uh, obviously, it was a it was a it was a great day for uh, for our friend Frank Saravalli. We know that for uh, for certain, uh, <laughs> Frank. Uh, what Frank. a clinic! Yeah, it was an impressive showing uh, by our friend and a hat tip or stick top for him. Hey, let me ask you just but let me ask you this. I mean, sure. you know this far more than me. I mean, how does an inside how does one guy get all of that information and crank it out? I mean, there's a lot of really talented, successful guys in that business. And yet Frank from wherever he is, is cranking out like 90 percent of the expansion drop before it comes out. Like, how does that even happen? Yeah, I mean, it's it was an impressive display. That that's about relationship building, Huss. Uh, that's about all I can all I can let go of the secret uh, the secret sauce there. I think, but uh, just a nice job uh, on that front for sure. I mean, that's about fostering relationships on all fronts, whether that's uh, management teams, players, agents, uh, and all of those things. Uh, in terms of Francis, man, oh man, uh, interesting choices. Uh, we know there's not a huge n- bunch of names on the marquee, but I mean, we talk about local guys all the time and, and what a, what a great experience for Chris Drieger, right? Huss? I mean, that oh, was yeah. just an absolutely, and again, this is, if you're a goalie, <laughs> this is the story that you should be reading up on. It's a rare story, but this is a guy who had to claw his way from the ECHL uh, to a number one job on a team that had a $10 million goalie and basically ripped the job right out of his hands and turned that into becoming the number one goalie on an expansion team. Uh, I think that's an absolutely fabulous showing by uh, you know a guy that I don't know Chris at all, but I know that that's a great story and you don't get to do that 
type of thing without having an incredible work ethic and being an incredible hard worker. And um, of course you have to get some breaks along the way, but this is a guy who had to make his own breaks. And uh, I think it's a really important, impressive story worth celebrating and, and good on him for getting a three year deal at three and a half million. And uh, to be the shot at, at, at worst, the one a guy and uh, great for him to get that opportunity. And I think he's going to really flourish. And I think he handled himself really well uh, in the, in the television show. And I watched the zoom call afterward and, uh, you know, great opportunity for him. And I think it, I think, I think there's going to be some uh, Kraken fans in Manitoba because he's going to be one of the guys kind of waving the flag, if you will. Um, Ken now going forward um, into this weekend, like you know, the one thing Vegas had after the expansion draft was three first round picks. They had, you know, they'd acquired a whole bunch of capital, not to mention that the players that you know, they ended up getting, you know, we talked about the two players from Florida, the two from Minnesota. I mean, it could not have worked any, it worked out any better. Certainly it seems like lessons were learned by NHL GMs based on what happened back in, uh, back when Vegas did their picks. So knowing what we know now, the fact that they have all of this salary cap space, how do you see them going forward? I mean, will there be more moves made with players? I mean, I know Tyler Picklick was uh, traded for, I believe, a fourth rounder to Calgary yep. earlier today. Uh, might we see a few more guys that were selected yesterday be dealt? Um, and and where where will the moves be made for Seattle? Does it happen in and around free agency? Or essentially, is it whenever these teams feel comfortable to make the trades or Ron Francis excuse me, is willing to pull the trigger on deals to take on salary. I mean, is that what he's holding closest to his vest right now? Yeah, I think so, Huston. I mean, the one guy we talked about, Dougie Hamilton earlier, I mean, he's obviously the top target in free agency. He'll be getting a lot of calls from basically any team who's looking for a defenseman that can afford it. Are the Jets one of those teams? I think they have to be. I don't know how comfortable or how high the Jets are willing to go, but I think if the Jets are going to be in on Dougie Hamilton they have to be in at that eight or nine million dollar range that they have to win the bid right I mean there are going to be other places whether it's a Seattle or a New Jersey or you know if you're a contender you're looking at Dougie Hamilton um, even with Gustav Spare going to Arizona I think Arizona I'm just not sure how comfortable Arizona is going to be handing out a you know seven seven year deal at eight or nine million dollars so um, I think the Jets have to be making that call whether that's a you know high salary on a short-term deal or trying to solve the problem long-term, uh, I think you have to be in on it. But to me, I mean, the Seattle Kraken have, you know, they would have the ability to lock down a Dougie Hamilton basically for whatever number you want. And you have to believe that one of the reasons they bypassed on Carey Price was because they have some other things in mind. And I would not be surprised if Dougie Hamilton was one of them. Uh, we talked about, you know, not having a big guy, big name guy for the marquee necessarily. I mean, Jordan Eberle is a guy who has some star power, but I mean, we're not looking at a Mark Andre Fleury situation. So Carey Price would have been a guy who you could, you know, you'd have on the all of the billboards and everything of that nature. But uh, there, speaking about cal- calculated risks, I mean, Mark Bergevin came out of that uh, pretty well, also. But uh, I don't think they're going to be, you know spending this entire, you know, wad of cash in free agency Huss, but I think they're going to leave themselves open to weaponizing, whether that be, you know, leading into the draft here or free well, agency Ken, Ken, or the think deadline, about these, right? Think about these deals that Arizona's made. I mean, right. they, they they took on Andrew Ladd for two seconds and a third. They right. just took on Ghost. And I know someone was asking, like, what what did what did Philly get back for back for Gostas Bear? Right. Well, not only did they not get anything back, they also had to pay a second rounder and a seventh rounder for them to take that contract. It's quite interesting 
that you know you you have that market setting up and i think yeah. that might be honestly if more than anything that trade with the islanders ken i think maybe kind of told ron francis that you know what instead of picking some guys with more salary we might be better off looking to the future as a franchise to give ourselves the more option to take a few more players for teams that are desperate to do it and bend them over while we're at it and take picks and prospects to make things work for us long term well, and that's the other part too, Huss. When Seattle is in a position where they can win and they want to have that salary open, everyone was talking about them being a kind of a conduit to taking on bad contracts. Well, what does that benefit them, right? I mean, Jerry Bruckheimer didn't buy the team so he could pay a player to play elsewhere, I don't think. So I think that they're going to leave that space mostly open uh, in order to try to uh, you know load up when they're a winning team. I mean, can they follow the Vegas model? I mean, it's a pretty high standard getting to the final the first year, conference final three years out of the first four. So uh, I think that they will take, uh, you know, every, anyone who knows Ron Francis, and I do not know him well, but from talking to people who do know him, he's a very meticulous builder. So I don't think that they were going to be uh, pushing the chips to the the middle of the table all that quickly i think they'll be very patient in terms of their team building but the one thing we noticed us yes their defense core looks good there are a glare there's a glaring hole or two on the right side that i mean if you're planning to spend some of that money on dougie hamilton it would make a lot of sense to me but uh let's see how the market uh you know um, works out here in the next couple of days and you know see how things develop but i do expect ron francis to be uh, active but i don't think he's going to be spending uh, all of that money uh, i don't think they're going to be a ceiling team by the time we get through a uh, free agency uh quickly uh, away from the jets for a second uh gabe landeskog and tarasenko how do you see those playing out ken yeah i mean you talked about the new york islanders clearing out some money if if i'm the new york islanders i am offering gabe landeskog a, you know a, a high number i don't know what that number is but uh they're basically we're a goal scorer away from you know he'd be a perfect not, islander too i mean he, he just seems ever. like the way he plays fits so well with trots and lou and i hadn't thought about the islanders but i think that you know the minute you said that that i mean that guy is an Islander and Anders Lee has his contract and he'll be back. So we yep. wouldn't just be walking in and being the captain of a new team, but he's exactly the prototype player that those guys want on their squad. Yeah. I think he's a perfect fit there. I mentioned it to, uh, you know, to on Kenny and Rennie that I think the Montreal Canadians should be looking at Gabe Landeskog as well, uh, you know, and adding another big, strong leader uh, to their group. But I think the Islanders are a perfect fit for Landeskog. You know, a lot of people have had him linked to the St. Louis blues and yes, that does make sense. But to me, if I'm Landeskog and I'm not staying in Colorado, I- I'm looking at the team that pushed the Tampa Bay lightning to game seven, two years in a row. I know that I can win there. I know that I can help them uh, with all of the intangibles with, you you know, being a winner and bringing that physical element and being a guy that can play on the first power play uh, if you want him to. So uh, that's where I see him heading. We know Philadelphia has some interest in Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, what level that interest is, you know, is intriguing. Uh, they've also been linked to Sam Reinhardt here, I think, in the last couple of hours. So I don't see a clear cut fit for Vladimir Tarasenko, but we know that goal scoring is something that is in, uh, you know, short supply on a lot of teams. And I don't think that uh, Doug Armstrong will have a lot of trouble finding a new home for him, but uh, he obviously laid the groundwork today in saying that Tarasenko is going to need to be open to returning. So, 
that will that will be interesting to me. But I don't see him returning to the Blues. But uh, you know, in terms of where he fits best, that it, it's still a little bit too early to. Well, the to money, kind of, the money's a big part of that. And I'll be honest, I wouldn't at all be surprised if we see a three-way deal with the Kraken right. brokering it, getting a few picks, taking on two or three million of the salary, and moving him on to a spot where a team can swallow that number and take the risk on a Vladimir Tarasenko. Kenny, this was awesome. Uh, before we go, and we're going to hear from Kevin Chevaldeff at the bottom of the hour. Um, when are you and uh, when are you and Rennie getting back at it? Uh, you got anything cooking over the course of the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I think we're gonna have a free agency show. We did talk about the expansion draft show, but uh, sort of the, the the air came out of the balloon with the, all the all the picks kind of coming out. <laughs> all so to our benefit yesterday afternoon. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> we were thinking about following the show, but by that time everything was already out. So uh, gonna have a free agency follow up show, I think, on the twenty eighth. But uh, we'll kind of keep that going and uh, leave it to you to hold down the fort and the illegal curve boys. Uh, we know they're pretty active uh, around this time as well. Well, listen, you uh, let us know what's going on. We'll make sure everyone else does as well. Kenny, thanks for doing this, man. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Great stuff. Yeah, take care, Huss, and have a great uh, rest of the show and rest of the week here. Enjoy right, the there action. he is, the one and only Weebs World himself. Give him a follow on Twitter and uh, make sure you're sub to uh, Kenny and Rennie. Uh, they'll have some content uh, revolving around the Winnipeg Jets and the National Hockey League at some point coming up. All right, we're going to get to the draft. As I mentioned, Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to be speaking at the bottom of the hour. We'll try and bring you that live here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Just before we get to Michael Farkas, do you want to shout out our friends at Not Auto Corp? I'm talking to Trev last night. They get the Not buses getting fired up for that bomber home opener on the 5th of August. And uh, you might not need a Not bus, but you can get an incredible vehicle at an amazing price with our friends at Not Auto Corp. Why not pop down to Waverly and McGillivray or check them out online at not.ca for all the incredible vehicles they have, including their selections of Teslas. Uh, they'll also service the car as well as detail it. So much to get to at Not Auto Corp. And of course, proud sponsors and supporters of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as well. Pop down and see them. Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery or online at not.ca. Um, well, you know what? Cheers to all the new Kraken. Uh, unfortunately, they're in Seattle, not Winnipeg, so they can't enjoy the amazing taste of Little Brown Jug. This, of course, is the summer lager. We've been chugging all summer long along with the amazing Hefeweizen. And now you can get it not only delivered to your home, Easy, simply, same-day delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. You can get it in the summer variety pack at any of your local beer stores, but you can also enjoy the great taste of all of their beers, including the flagship 1919 at the brewery and tap house on the patio now that the health restrictions are loosened. Pop down and see them on William Avenue. Uh, but you, you get the hours on the site. I believe it's 12 to 8 daily. Um and obviously, you can pop off, pile the beer there as well. Great merchandise. Big thanks to our friends at Little Brown Jug. And they're everywhere in the community. Go to the events page at littlebrownjug.ca and find out where you can hook up with them, either at the gardening centers or in the community on the weekend. It's all there at littlebrownjug.ca. And the 3M Open is underway in golf. Not quite a huge field. Dustin Johnson is the favorite. Um, and... Obviously, if you're golfing here in Winnipeg, Breezy Bend, spot you want to check out. Another Winnipeg, Manitoba amateur champion coming out of Breezy Bend with Braxton Coots winning this week. An amazing junior program that continues to crank out talented young players. Find out more about uh, maybe playing there for you and your family next year. BreezyBend.ca or on, uh, give him a call. Corey Johnson, our friend there, will take good, good care of you over at breezybend.ca. All right, Shovel Day Off coming up a little later on right now, though. Let's welcome in Michael Farkas from Hockey Prospect to get ready for 
Friday's first round. Tomorrow, Jesus, this week's gone fast. Tomorrow's first round of the NHL draft. Michael, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, you know what? It, it, I'm doing great. I mean, you know, usually late July, we uh, sort of a dead zone for hockey talk. It's the exact opposite this year. I mean, the, the expansion draft last night, draft this weekend, free agency next week. We knew it would be packed together, but I have to say, you know, it was exciting. Even with Frank Saravelli blowing up all the surprises tweet by tweet yesterday. Pretty interesting to see what Seattle's done and uh, a very unique year and very unique offseason. And certainly for our guys in the scouting line of work, about as unique a year as possible getting ready for the biggest weekend of the year. What's it been like preparing for this year's draft as opposed to other seasons? Yeah, and preparedness is really, that's really the word of the year, right? So as a as a group for us, it's about, you know, how well prepared for the 2021 class were we from last year, what we saw as we went along, because we prepared that early list. And then, you know, how prepared were we to, you know, it's a different skill set seeing players live versus on video. So it's a different eye. Um, so just having our group prepared and Mark did a great job and, and, and having us prepared about what it is that we have to be doing and, and what it is we have to be looking for. And some of the pitfalls that come with, with you know, doing a lot more video scouting than, than we were, you know, than we were planning or hoping to do. So preparedness is really is really the key thing. And, and you'll see who's well prepared um, Friday and Saturday. You know, I mean, you and of course, you mentioned Mark Edwards, um, uh, Michael, part of the hockey prospect team getting ready. Um how like when you guys got together and I mean, you're focusing on particular countries, other guys are putting it all together. How would you assess the overall quality of this year's draft and how difficult was it to assess that to get from the get go? Yeah, you're telling me. Yeah, difficult to assess the, the greater because, you know, you have whole areas that aren't playing at no OHL. Uh, the dub was was muted after just a handful of games to queue and some other places were were a little bit herky jerky about their starts and stops. Um, tournaments came in the question, et cetera. So I look at this draft class overall, I, I'd say it's about average, maybe slightly below. Um, but one thing that I think is interesting, and, and this is kind of my theory, I don't know how many people will agree with it, but you know, it's not going to be like 1979 where we had that double draft class and everything was great for everybody. But look out for 2022 as maybe maybe a one and a quarter or even a one and a half draft class, so to speak, where a lot of guys are going to come out of the woodwork that we didn't get to see people that didn't get to travel over to Europe, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you might actually end up with a bunch of 19 year olds that get picked next year that the Crete uh, super class would be too far to say, but you know, something a little bit meatier than maybe what this draft has. Uh, you, you know, I mean, you uh, focus in on the Americans, Russians, Finland, um, how, was there a difficulty in scouting or comparing players or how did that work with the guys that were actually on the ice as opposed to Canadians that best case scenario played a tiny bit of a season? If you were an OHL player, you never played at all. Yeah, it's it's difficult, right? And it goes back to how we started with the preparedness aspect of it. You know, what did we know going in? Um, who do we know that we can rely on that, that knows what's going on with some of these players and and, you know, part of it, you get guys that just simply didn't play games. Or they only played an international tournament here and there. Um, you have to just you have to kind of trust your instincts on what you know. Right. You can't base it on what you don't know. So you, you know what you know. And then it's just a matter of getting everybody on the same page about, you know, your region. So luckily for me with with Russia and Finland, Russia all but ignored COVID. 
So it was pretty easy to to see games there all the time. They played a full boat, 64 game schedule. They were they were fine. Um, the Finns did a fine job of keeping all their, you know, they did some, they made some changes, but they, they got a good season in there. Um, and then the U S was able to go ahead with a, with an abbreviated run. So it was really just, you know, you watch the guys that you can watch and then you have to, you have to use your best judgment about what's going to happen with the guys that couldn't really play. And how does that factor in? I mean, that's development damaging. You look back at the 2003 draft where we had the 05 lockout. And, but during that big sleep, a lot of guys could go back to junior another year. They could go in the AHL another year. That Calder cup final that year was amazing. I, I, I was there. It was great hockey because Jeff Carter is there. Jay Bomeister's there. All these guys are there. And you look at how many guys in that 2003 class panned out to become impact players. Well, now it's the opposite, right? Now you have less games involved and less development time and how, how is that going to affect you? That's why I think you might see some teams because of that and because of maybe the preparedness factor. Watch for trades on Saturday where you see a fourth this year for a fourth next year, a fifth for the, for the same slot next year, something like that. Teams kind of punting, not wanting to go full in if they weren't prepared to handle how, how this world was. Hockey prospects Michael Farkas uh, with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Get ready for tomorrow's first round of the NHL draft. It seems like everyone expects Owen Power to be the number one player selected. Are you on board with that? And uh, is Matt Berniers uh, likely to go to Seattle as the first ever Kraken draft pick? That's a great question, right? So to start with with one, Owen Power, I mean, if you watched him at the World Championships, if there was any doubt, which there was, you know, internally we, we talked about it. We, we came into the year with Kent Johnson at one. Uh, we talked about Owen Power at, at one time, just on my my personal list. I had him as in the in the low area of the top five at, at some points during the year, and then the progression over the course of the year, the um, you know what he did at the World Championships against men, where you know it was thought he would be an ex, uh, an afterthought, comes in plays twenty plus minutes and and looks amazing doing so. So that cements is a number one right there. You know that removes all doubt. Um, for number two, is it Matty Veneers? Maybe. That's about as sure of a pick as I've seen in a while. Um, two-way guy, great head on his shoulders. Uh, maybe not an elite skill set. Probably maybe a, a, a 2C if I had to choose. But look at how difficult. Look at the protections that were out there um, in the expansion draft. Not a lot of centers available for Seattle. Uh, Matty Veneers would fill that role as, as you look at the trust that was given to him at, at Michigan, a high level program, right? And you have a true freshman at 18 and he's playing center. And for a lot of that time had a true freshman and Ken Johnson on his left wing. That's a lot of trust from a big time coach in Matty Veneers. So that just shows how pro ready he is. Is he the number two pick? I don't know. He's not the most dynamic talent that would be available there, but he wouldn't be a bad pick. Uh, you know, the most familiar name in the draft is Hughes. And it's not uh, Jack, it's not Quint, it's the third Hughes brother, Luke. Um, tell us about him and how does he compare to his brothers? Yeah, that's that's interesting, right? I don't know how many of you, they might make a team of Hughes soon. That'll be Team 33. <laughs> um, so Luke's different than Quinn, right? The natural, the natural thought is you want to compare him to his brother, the Vancouver defenseman. A uh, little different. Um, Luke Hughes is a is a bigger kid. He's he's got a thicker trunk, thicker legs, uh, but his skating base is unbelievable. Quinn and Jack kind of tap dance around the rink a little bit. You, you feel Hughes is a more it's a more fluid stride. It's it's and he eats up so much ground so fast, and and his recovery skating is really there. 
Um, he, he, he's an offensive whiz too. He's got great puck handling skills. I don't know that there's a player, a defenseman in this draft that handles the puck on his backhand better than Luke Hughes, um, which is something a lot of defensemen struggle with. So you're talking about, you can retrieve the puck forehand and backhand and not really miss a step. Um, you can play him on probably either side as a result of how good he is on his backhand. You're talking about if he's playing on his offside on the right, those backhand keep-ins aren't maybe so tough for Luke. I, I really am impressed with how he handles pucks on his backhand. Um, where you maybe look and go, well, it's a little bit different than Quinn and Jack is maybe it's a little less thoughtful right now. He's one of the youngest players in this draft class. Um, he just made the cut for 2021, but even adjusting for that, you look at the risk management both offensively and defensively, just look at the outlet passes. Is he really making the smartest play? Is he really putting his forwards in the best position to, to advance the puck defensively? You look at him and sustain the tax against and just where is he with the lateral, the checks in his lateral and his peripheral? What happened to the guys behind them? Does he lose track of some guys to chase them plays around? I think there's going to be some work there in terms of just how thoughtful he is about the game. And, you know, as you move up levels, the processor that's involved, how do you think the game, how fast is it hitting you? Does the game ever play you? You want to make sure that he's got a good, sturdy development path so you can maximize his potential. Because it's really, it's just about how he sees the game that we that needs to be ironed out. Hockey Prospects, Michael Farkas with us here. Michael, um, obviously we're here in the peg. Jets will be on the clock at 18, which will be the 17th pick after forfeiture goes to uh, goes to Arizona. Right. Um, any thoughts on now uh, what who might be available for Kevin Sheveldelf and his staff when uh, we get to Winnipeg selection? Yeah, so that's a long way down, even with the uh, even with the forfeiture, right? But um, I I love the spot because I think this is a spot. You know, I, I'm a very I'm not risk averse when it comes to scouting. I want to hit impact players, and I scout with that in mind. So I don't think it does is Winnipeg, you know, I know you lost Mason Appleton to Seattle is Winnipeg really a third line player away from winning the Stanley cup. I'm not sure that they are. I think you you can't have enough impact pieces. Look at how difficult it is, right. To find an impact piece. Where is Nikita Kucherov going? Nowhere. You know, where is Nathan McKinnon going? Nowhere. Where is Nikolai Ehlers going? Nowhere. I know, you know, so I like to try to hit a home run in this spot. Um, I really like the defenseman, Alexi Haimo-Salmi from Finland. Um, I think he's a guy, he's not ranked very high on a lot of lists that I've seen out there. Not that that, that means a lot. It just takes one team to like you. I really like him. Um, I, I would take a shot on Ilya Fedotov, too, uh, from Russia, who may not get drafted at all. But to me, he's a first-round talent. Um, I think with a little bit, uh, depending on which way you look at it, right? You don't want to draft for need right here, but I think Winnipeg's defensive um, stockade could be improved a little bit uh, right now. So I would probably go with Alexi Hamasalmi if I had the choice there. At, at hey, speaking of Finns, I wanted to ask you about um, the top-ranked Finnish skater, Atu Ratti, who in the past we had seen him as high as number one. Um, where, where Where is his stock going into the weekend? Oh, uh, not, not one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is, this is one of those cases that you see every once in a while. Um, John McFarlane was kind of like this, um, even going back, maybe, uh, even yes, Yarvi. When I saw him as a 16 year old, the Edmonton forward, I thought, Oh, this is the number one pick in his draft class. And then kind of stagnated a little bit. Looks like it's going to get pulled out of the fire there. He had a good year this year. 
Um, this was just a case where a player looked really good at 16. I saw him at 16. He was a really good player. He was in that discussion. And, you know, he got hit. I think he got hit with COVID, a couple of injuries. And, you know, now he's up in the pro game. It just really hasn't progressed that much. There's really not. He's got good compete. He's got an okay skill level. I, I don't think he's a particularly good skater. I don't think he's a particularly dynamic skill set. So for me, uh, I have him as a, as a late round pick at best. I think someone's going to give him a shot probably in the middle rounds. But for me, he wouldn't make it to where I'm selecting, I don't think. All right. One more for you, Michael. It's been a great chat. Um, and I think the uncertainty of this, and we even talked about the Jets with only four picks. I mean, if they've got a number of players that they really like that are available, I, I wouldn't rule out trading back and trying to get more picks because they only have four. But outside of the first round, is there a player or two that you expect to be picked outside of round one, like a Saturday pick that, you know, is exciting? And if your team picks them, you should be pretty happy about. Yeah, the two guys, in addition to the two guys that I mentioned, that Haima Salmi and Fedotov, who, again, won't be on a lot of high rankings. I really like from from the United States. I like Sasha Pastajov from the program. Um, he's... Again, not maybe not super flashy, but he gets pucks. He sets a lot of picks. He has advanced just how he boxes things out, how he wins puck battles. He's not super fast, but he's really smart for me. Um, he wins a lot of battles. I'd be really excited to have a player like that. He's a guy that could come along later. Um, I think defenseman, uh, defenseman in Russia, Igor Savakov. Um, Mark's going to hate me for this, but I, uh, I'm the biggest backer of smaller defensemen. Uh, I think guys that are that are five nine, five ten can that can skate. I think that's where the league's going on third pairings. I don't think it's the six foot five off the glass and out guys. I think Victor Mete, uh, the kid in Buffalo that got called up, uh, Jacob Bryson, I believe is his name. Uh, I think those are the guys that are where the league's going. Igor Savikov is that, and he's super active, super smart, plays an aggressive game, but smartly and led all Russian defensemen um, in points in the Russian Junior League. It's the first time a first-year draft eligible has finished top five among defensive scoring in five years, much less led it. So he's, he's got production. He's really smart. He can really skate. Uh, I'd be thrilled to get that player. Michael, this has been awesome. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? I guess if you're watching live on YouTube, it's Michael Farkish F or Farkas HF. Um, Tell us about uh, where else they can find you. I know you do some uh, neat hockey breakdowns on YouTube too. Yeah, um, I try to put together some videos uh, here and there. They they got a lot. That's you know part of that was how uh, Mark found me in the first place. I think for Hockey Prospect, but um, I'd really encourage people to buy the Black Book. It's I think it's six hundred something pages this year. Um, I'm a big chunk of that, um, along with the great crew that we have. Um, YouTube, Twitter, um, I'm I'm around on there. Find me. Hey, well, let's do this again sometime. Really appreciate you uh, you coming out. Thanks. Thanks for this, Hustler. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. There's Michael Fark as a hockey prospect. Mark Edwards, of course, a good friend of our show. And it really is an elite package when it comes to draft preparation. If you're uh, trying to do some uh, cramming before tomorrow, hockey prospect where you want to go. Big thanks to Michael for joining us. All right. Big shout out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. The big news told you earlier, fans are coming back Monday 50% in the main level and the outdoor area. 
you'll just have to make sure that you're vaccinated. No different than going to a Bomber game, Valor FC game, or coming in August, a Goldeye game. Find out more right now. You still can go to the Terrace Dining Room or the VLT area upstairs on the second area level. And actually that area, much like a restaurant, you don't have to be vaccinated for. Uh, reservations need to be made, though, for the Terrace Dining Room. But to focus on, if you want to get out with the family, be outside, Thank God we're going to be back. It's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Live racing next week. And um, it's all there. For more information, go to Assiniboia Downs. Um, they actually tweeted it out. I got the press release earlier, threw that out. A lot of people excited to get back to the track a little bit later on. And, of course, our friends out at Aikens Lake. Give them a, if you're ever thinking about an incredible world-class fishing adventure right here in Manitoba, you'll be able to be on the water in a couple hours from Winnipeg. Aikenslake.com on the web, or you can hit them up on Twitter at Aikens Lake. We'll get to the cool bet lines a little bit later on on the program uh, because I think we're going to have Kevin Sheveldayoff joining us in just a couple of minutes. But let's get Michael Remus back in here for uh, for a second. Uh, man, there was a neat hockey draft talk that we had with, uh, with Michael Farkas. We'll do more of that tomorrow with Scott Wheeler of The Athletic on the program. Um, but, uh, but Reem, we've got, um, the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets coming up and, uh, uh, this timing is working out perfectly. Um, you know, as long as it's on schedule, we'll be able to uh, give it to all of our Winnipeg sports talk listeners in the next couple minutes. Yes. Us. It's like they knew that, uh, our show was on now and they scheduled the press conference for the end. So we're kind of just waiting for Chevy to step up to the podium. We have it, uh, you know, going on. And uh, yeah, Mitch wrote in chat, uh, they released a statement about the Blackhawks investigation here. I can't pull it up. I'm waiting for the thing. I know Murat has it. I've got got it right here, actually. Ken Weeb has just tweeted this out. So this is the tweet from Ken. Jets General Manager Kevin Sheveldale said to speak to reporters at 2.30. He just released a statement through the team regarding former Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldrich in the ongoing sexual abuse, abuse investigation. Sheveldayoff was the assistant GM of the Blackhawks oh, in 2010. He's he's at the podium. Let me just, uh, sorry to interrupt you. Keep, keep going. Okay, while you're getting it, here's the quote. I had no knowledge of any allegations involving Mr. Aldrich until asked if I was aware of anything prior to the conclusion of his employment with the Chicago Blackhawks. After confirming I had no prior knowledge of anything, I had no further involvement. As this is a legal matter before the courts, I will not be making any further comment. However, to the extent I am contacted by investigators in this matter, I will cooperate to the best of my ability and knowledge. So um, the team putting that out, uh, we knew that, you know, Chevaldeoff would be asked about that, presumably by media the next time he met the media. So, uh, you know, while it is a legal case, this is it. No knowledge of any allegations involving Mr. Aldrich until asked if I was aware of anything just prior to the conclusion of his employment with the Chicago Blackhawks. So, um, you know, I know the focus is going to be on what's happening with the Winnipeg Jets, losing Mason Appleton, the draft free agency, but no doubt that something on this was going to come out. How close are we, Bream? He's ready to go. Let's do it. All right, down. Kevin Sheveldayoff. Very it was a tough call to make, um, you know, to both Mason and uh, and Dylan to tell them that you know we had left them unprotected. Um, it was a tough call to uh, to, to make to, to Mason um, to you know tell him obviously that he was a selection. It was uh, uh, a pretty joyous call to make to um, you know to Dylan Demello to say that uh, you know he was still part of the Jets. So lots of emotion there, but it's a bittersweet thing. You know, it's uh, on the on the eve of the eve of the draft. Um, you know, we, we end up losing a player that, um, you know, that was drafted, 
that went through our development process that uh, you know became a you know key contributor in the American League and then a, a, a solid key contributor in the uh, in the National Hockey League and it just kind of underscores what the the process of this weekend you know really is all about and, and um, um, you know proud of how Mason you know has come through the uh, the organization and uh, uh, you know wish uh, wish him all the best it, it creates a hole in our lineup for sure that um, you know we're we're obviously exploring right now the different ways to um, you know to, to patch that up. We'll go next to Kelly Moore from 680 CJOB. Go ahead, Kelly. Uh, thanks very much, Gregor. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Kevin. Yeah, just in terms of patching that up, uh, does that happen internally? Uh, does that maybe happen uh, with what might take place on the draft? Well, not the draft work, but you yeah. know what I mean. Yep. Yeah. Well, we're going to, you know, we obviously. Um, have been planning, uh, you know, that something might happen for, for a while now. So we've been uh, in our scouting meetings. We've been identifying, you know, who could be out there in free agency, who might be out there uh, in trade uh, if this scenario happened or if, you know, other scenarios happen. So um, it's, it's still a work in progress. We're, uh, you know, I guess a, a week just under a week away from, uh, from free agency. So uh, lots can happen between now and then. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to spend – you know, the time exploring, you know, all those different options. There, there could be some internal options of, uh, uh, you know, maybe a vessel line and moving to the right side or something like that. But um, those things, uh, you know, you have to have some conversations with the coaches and, and see, you know, where, where they feel, uh, you know, that is at as well. We'll go next to Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. Go ahead, Mike. Thanks, Gregor. Uh, hi, Kevin. Hi. Um, you mentioned difficult calls to, to Dylan and Mason, obviously, to tell them about not being protected. Can you just take us through the process of, I guess, deciding on your protected list? And I guess the big one uh, that certainly made a lot of noise was lo- protecting Logan Stanley and leaving Dylan exposed. So what you find out through this process is, um, you know, who, who you um, – everybody does their own, you know, kind of internal – uh, protection list of, of all the different teams. So we spend uh, a tremendous amount of time in the pro scouting meetings, uh, you know, putting what we think is going to be the protection list of the other teams. And then you, you know, you, so you can go and make some calls to them to see um, if there's a guy that you like that you think is going to be on the outside, uh, you know, if, if they would, um, you know, be uh, interested in a trade. Um, so we, you know, obviously that process is, is not unique to us. The other teams do the same thing and, and they came down to, you know, basically uh, the same conclusions that, um, that I think everyone was coming down to. So we had a, a lot of calls on, on Logan to see if, um, you know, we'd be interested in trading him as opposed to potentially losing him. And, um, you know, so we, we went through that process and, and uh, became very apparent that um, even if Seattle wasn't the ultimate destination, there was a lot of, um, you know, places that, that might have reached out to Seattle to, to, to go in that regard. So it doesn't make it any easier to have to make that decision to put your list in. Um, but, um, you know, there's always going to be risks. We knew going in that we were going to lose a very good player. And, um, you know, it, uh, it was, you're on pins and needles there a little bit as after you, after you hit send. But, um, you know, you, you, you let the process play itself out. We'll go next to Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Sean. Hey, Kevin, uh, just to switch gears here a little bit. Um, what can you tell us about when you first learned of uh, the assault allegations uh, against Brad Aldrich uh, during your time in Chicago? So, I, you know, obviously, I think, uh, uh, you know, issued a statement here just moments before the um 
the press conference here, and, and you know, we'll stand by that statement. It's, it's, uh, it, these are very serious allegations, and, and it, you never take them lightly. Um, and uh, obviously, it's a matter that uh, that's in front of the courts, and uh, that's you know, really, I guess, essentially, uh, you know, that's why I put the statement out there, and, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. And, and again, if the um, investigators, if, if there's an opportunity for, for me to, to meet with them, um, I definitely will. We'll go next to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Go ahead, Greg. Thanks a lot. Hey, uh, Kevin, I had a question actually about the uh, <clears throat> schedule for next year. Uh, I, I saw that they are not doing the two home games together homestand thing uh, like they did this year. Yeah. And I was wondering your feelings on that. It, it, I feel like that'd be a good thing for a, a team that does a little bit of traveling to have a couple of days in the same spot. Yeah, so it was something that we talked about, and, and I think, um, I don't know if it's because of, of, of the, the uniqueness of, of having the Olympic, uh, uh, potential Olympic break in there, if they, they, they couldn't, uh, you know, uh, make that work, or if there were other reasons. But I know from a hockey standpoint, I think the coaches liked it. I think the players, um, you know, had some time for it. Um, obviously, it does, you know, get old in some respects where, you know, when you have to do a whole entire season of it. So I, I know that there was a, maybe a small appetite, um, you know, to, to have uh, you know a little bit more of a, of a trial in that, that that situation, but schedule makers, I think, were under a, a real tough um, tough type of situation here. And, and now it was a lot easier, I think. And again, I'm, I'm, I may be putting words in their mouths. I think it was a lot easier when you know we were in a COVID situation, and really there there was no building issues at that point in time. I think you've got you know teams that have multiple tenants uh, you've got concerts uh, you know again all the the wonderful things that that we've missed uh, you know over this period of time I, I do think that probably came into play when they tried to put it in uh, in practical use we'll go next to ken weeb from sportsnet go ahead weaver thanks gregor afternoon kevin uh, shifting gears to the draft uh, how would you describe the you know depth of player available in your range and what were some of the biggest challenges uh, with the limited live viewings for your scouting staff this year and how did you tackle those so it uh, certainly was a challenge we had some scouts that were more fortunate than others that uh, you know were able to have some live views uh, certainly the the, the players in Europe uh, had uh, there was more opportunity to uh, to see them for uh, uh, for the scouts and, and in the US as well I think it was it was great that the, you know, there was a, an opportunity at the end of the year in Dallas to, uh, for a, a U18 tournament that um, you know is is a, is a uh, always a big scouting tournament when it comes to it and the participation of, of a lot of the Canadian players that maybe um, didn't get a chance to uh, you know to, to play in the CHL at least gave them an opportunity to uh, showcase themselves there um, but man oh man lots of video lots and lots of video um, you know we became pretty efficient in that video um, you know we've got uh, a good staff that uh, spends a lot of time uh, you know uh, you know cutting the video and, and doing the different things uh, Barrett Laganchek our, our scouting coordinator you know just did a, an awesome job of of, uh, of feeding all of us in the organization with uh, with manageable video you know so being able to um, you know uh, get multiple views uh, of certain players um, in in kind of uh, more uh, expeditious time so a better use of your time so to speak so you you have to really find a way to be uh, you know efficient and uh, you know to get the views and and I think as it went on, you know, you, you your eye kind of you know became more trained on, on how to uh, you know to, to to watch the video for the things that you need. There's going to be some good players, you know. There's it's going to be an interesting uh, process. We've um, is it going to be as tight to your list, you know, as in the past? I don't know. You know, I, I think there's um, uh, you know some some good players in in our range there that um, we'd be real excited to to have. We've 
Um, you know, some of the players that we've picked in the past in this range have, have gone on to be, you know, very good players uh, for our organization right now. So, um, you know, it'll be, uh, it's still in the refining final stages, you know, and we're still, uh, you know, working that through. We'll go next to Sarah Lesky from TSN. Go ahead, Sarah. Hi, Kevin. Just Hi. wondering uh, when looking ahead to whether it be free agency or via trade, when you look at your blue line, uh, is how many defensemen are you looking to hopefully target or, or add? through that process it'll be a function of a couple of things i think um, you know one you know there, there has to be an opportunity um in front of us that that, uh, that makes sense um you know we can you know there's there's lots of names out there that uh, people say um would be be great fits but the fit has to be the right the thing for both sides um and uh, again it'll be a function of cap as well there's only so much uh you know, so many dollars that we can, you know, shift around or, or do different things uh, with that respect. So, and you, we have to give, you know, some uh, um, some value to the young players that we have in the organization and put them up beside um, what a potential free agent, uh, you know, might look like and, and see, you know, where things are going to be at, you know, 20, 30, 40 games down the road. Um, you know, would you be better uh, in a better position with, uh, you know, those players having played, you know, that amount of games and, and, and that amount of experience? So, a lot of it goes in. Um, we're still a long way from free agency, so you know who's going to be left on the board when um, when the clock starts, so to speak, will be, I guess, interesting to see. Go next to Carter Brooks from Game On. Go ahead, Carter. Hi, Kevin. I know you mentioned already a little bit about Mason Appleton and the decision you made there. Yeah. But how difficult was it to kind of go with this? We've seen the Jets go through the draft and develop model for so many years and someone that that has gone through so well with Mason Appleton through the moose, putting together his campaigns in the AHL, then coming to the NHL and starting to flourish. How tough was it to make that call? Oh, it was real tough. Um, You know, again, and and we had a a meeting this morning with our amateur scouts and I led off the meeting, you know, with, with that very comment that, you know, again, um, the, you know, the, the, because of the scouting that they did and and the pick that we made that, you know, obviously uh, we had an NHL player, but, we all knew when Seattle was coming in that uh, there was going to, you know, be an opportunity to to lose uh, a, a piece of your team. Um, you know, we we discussed with uh, um, with Seattle about what it would take to potentially not lose a piece off our team, but um, there was, you know, there was nothing that uh, that that uh, would work for me, um, you know, to make a deal that uh, was going to satisfy that. So, um, you know, like I say, when you get ready to hit send on, on your protection list, you, you take a, a deep breath and, and uh, there was lots of conversation and dialogue and, and um, you know, it, it, it became what it became. And uh, when I got the call from, from Ron Francis yesterday morning that, um, you know, he had made that claim, um, you know, I think the only, the only sigh of relief is that now we can move forward and, uh, you know, you, at least you know uh, which path you're going down. And, and, um, and Mason's going to be a good player there. I think he's going to, you know, I think with an ad- increased role there, he's going to flourish and, and uh, good for him. And, uh, you know, we wish him all the best. Go back to Kelly Moore from 680 CGOB. Go ahead, Kelly. Kevin, you mentioned the, the fact that uh, the list could really be changing on Friday night. How deep do you think the draft goes before the uncertainty starts to happen? Is it the first five, first eight? Where do you see the muddling start to begin? Yeah, I think there's a, there's several different tiers. I think you know certainly you have the high end tier. Um, 
where, you know, I, um, again, the, the players that are going uh, real high there are going to be real special uh, and probably earlier, sooner rather than, uh, you know, rather than later. And I think there's maybe a, a little bit of a middle tier. And then I think there's a, a pretty solid, um, you know, kind of tier just below that middle tier that's, uh, that's right there. So I think that's where we're in, um, you know, with our pick. And then I think, you know, slightly after, slightly after our pick, I think there's a, a little bit of a drop off. We'll go back to Mike McIntyre from the Free Press. Go ahead, Mike. Thanks again, Gregor. Kevin, just sort of a two-parter here on the state of your own players or guys that were on your roster this sure. past year. Um, yeah. I realize you probably can't give us too much by way of details, but can you give us a general sense of negotiations with your two RFAs in, in Neil and Andrew? And um, with regards to your UFAs, I know you re-signed Dominic. Um can you give us a sense, I guess, of, of is the door open on any of those guys and any yeah. specifics uh, before next Wednesday? So on the two UFAs, uh, you know, we, we've had, you know, kind of uh, preliminary conversations with uh, with both of, of their camps. So they're they're obviously in in different situations where, you know, you, you, you own them, you qualify them, they, you go through a certain you know process, I think. Uh, from a UFA standpoint, we've we've had uh, you know conversations. I think with all the uh, the UFA's agents, um, and you know I would say it's best described as uh, a lot of balls in the air type thing. And um, you know every decision affects another decision affects another decision. Whether it, you know comes to position or cap um, or free agency or trade, um, you know. So it's uh, it's you know one of those things where you have to kind of uh, be methodical i guess in in the process go next to ted wyman from the sun go ahead ted kevin you you keep Demello around but you've got uh, a lot more left shot defensemen under contract right now than you do right shot defensemen yeah. is there a priority on trying to to add at that particular position right shot defensemen um through free agency or trades well, I think, uh, you know, I think it stares at you first. I think when you look at the screen, that's, that's what you see first. Uh, when I look up on my board, um, you know, we've, our, our youth is, uh, is on the left side. Um, you know, it's, uh, sometimes you've got guys that, that maybe can play the right side. But uh, in the process of, of trying to add, I think you, you first keep an open mind and see what, you know, what might be there, whether it's right side or left side uh, through trade or, uh, or um, potential free agency. Uh, and then you hone in on it. You see where, you know, does, is this a better opportunity for the money and, and vice versa. So it, it, it comes into play, but I think, you know, again, when you're, it's not a perfect world here. There's not always that perfect, you know, right-hand shot, um, you know, fit that's, you know, six foot four, 260 pounds that can shoot the puck like crazy and, uh, you know, used to ragdoll two players all the time. Well, back to Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really good answer. Um, <laughs> um, uh, is, did you find, Kevin, there was a sense of urgency based on where, you know, players like, like Blake and Mark and Connor Hellebuck are? It, with, you've got them under control for another three years. Yeah. I know you've got some great prospects coming up that, you know, are probably going to fill things in and be really great NHL players, but... Is there a sense of urgency maybe in taking care of the window that you, your team has in front of you 
right now and trying to solve some of these problems that you have on the back end right now? Well, we've been we've been in that mode really since um, you know since the, the day that uh, we actually were able to kind of resign Blake Wheeler. It was one of those things where you know if he had gone off into free agency, I think the you know the path of of, of the organization probably goes in a different direction. We've had a lot of ups and downs and bumps and um, you know kind of. Uh, unforeseen things happen to us along the way, you know, be it, you know, Brian Little, be it, uh, um, you know, Buff, uh, you know, those type of situations that we've had to, you know, kind of pivot on the fly. Um, and we've been able to make the postseason, you know, while still doing that. So um, that urgency has been there, you know, right from, like I say, that moment on. And, and it continues uh, moving forward here. And, and we're fortunate that we have a good group. What's happened along the way is, you know, players like Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers have, have really come into their own. You know, obviously, we made that decision several years ago to, um, you know, to give Connor Hellebuck the reins and, and, and you know, let him cut his teeth in the National Hockey League. And that decision is, you know, has, has, has helped us to, to get to that point where we're at here now with a Vesna winning goaltender. Um, so, yeah, we're, 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 we're hopeful that we can find ways to address, um, you know, the, 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 the opportunities, um, again, have to be there. And, and uh, we're hopeful that, uh, you know, we can find our way. Go back to Carter Brooks from Game On. Go ahead, Carter. Hi again, Kevin. You just mentioned uh, Brian Little. Um, how difficult has it been the past couple of summers or past couple of off seasons now, kind of not entirely knowing what the situation is there or unless maybe something new has come to light, had there any developments on the Brian Little front? No. So Brian, Brian's essentially in our, in our estimation here is, 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 you know, uh, we're treating it and he's treating it like he's, he's not playing unless a doctor comes and says, you know what, you're cleared. And there's no doctors right now that, that are going to do that. So from, from that standpoint, um, you know, although, you know, he's not retired, like he's, um, you know, he's a player that's, that's, you know, not available to us. Go back to Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Weber. Kevin, uh, what was your reaction to the news earlier today that the AHL might be an option for Cole Perfetti? I know there's still a little bit of the hypothetical, but would you be supportive of a rule change of that manner in terms of how that might affect Cole and some of the other players that had AHL experience this year? See, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm obviously a big supporter of, of uh, you know junior hockey and, and uh, making sure your kids develop um, you know properly. And, um, you know, so again, the CHL rule has... has um, uh, been a, a rule that has, uh, you know, afforded that, that opportunity to those young kids to develop based on, you know, if you're not 18 or 19 and in the National Hockey League, you have to go back. I think we're in a real unique situation here, you know, this past season um, with Cole especially, and I guess I can't speak for, for any other, you know, teams, but um, if in fact that does become um, a rule, you know, whether it's for this year or moving forward, um, I think you have to be careful how you use it, but a player like Cole, you know, shown, um, you know, tremendous improvement uh, going to the world championships and, and playing with men uh, and, and, and having that opportunity, I think, you know, help further his development. And if there's that opportunity next year, I think, you know, having him available to the American League um, is just a great option to have, especially for him. Um, that's not to say that, you know, he, he doesn't come to camp and, and um, you know, earn a job because that opportunity could be there for him uh, as well for, uh, for an exciting young guy like that. So um, any option that we have with, you know, his development like the American Hockey League is, is, is a welcome thing. Just a few more for Kevin. We'll go back to Mike McIntyre from the Free Press. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, Kevin, I know it's going to be unveiled, I think, at 5 o'clock our time today, but just 
give us your thoughts on uh, on your team schedule for next season, which obviously is going to look a lot different than the one you just completed. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, it's uh, um, there's a uh, obviously if the, the the Olympics is still a reality, they're they're, they're at least they're moving forward in, in that regard right now, putting uh, some emphasis uh, on that in the schedule. It'll, it's a period of time where um, you. Um, you have a big break, you know, so going back to when we had the Olympics before, you know, it, it was a, an interesting time for, for everybody not to have, uh, you know, games uh, in, in, uh, in your marketplace for an extended period of time. The good thing, I guess, for us is, um, you know, we'll have moose hockey uh, playing during that time and, and, and a great opportunity for, um, you know, for, for some, uh, some people to, to keep their hockey fix, so to speak, going um, while the, uh, while, while the potential Olympics would be going on. It's, um, you know, it compresses things in a certain manner when you have those kind of uh, uh, things. But we we've just gone through a com- you know really compressed schedule, and and I think that uh, um, it, it does get you back a little bit more to the traditional time where you can have off days and and uh, and the like. So. Um, there's, of course, it's not perfect. There's always things that you would have liked to change, and um, but the NHL, you know, does their very best to try to to listen to um, you know to everybody's uh, uh, problems, so to speak. Go back to Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Sean. Hey, Kevin, you were talking about your assessment of the draft and the upper tier, and then you know, you guys, there's a drop off in that kind of secondary tier right behind you. Um, do you foresee the way that uh, those tiers are setting up or maybe the way scouting was challenging this year? Is this being a kind of year where there's maybe more opportunity in, in than past years and maybe moving those picks or m- making kind of, you know, more more active GMing uh, than we would typically see. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not sure yet. You know, haven't um, haven't really had a round of those calls yet for um, for for teams looking to you know to move up. Um, you know, there there might be some situations where you know again for us if uh, um, if we don't you know if, if we've lost the players off the board that we we covet we might move back. Um, you know, it, it just depends on uh, I guess how it all unfolds in front of you. And final question to Kelly Moore from CGOB. Go ahead, Kelly. Hey, Kevin. Uh, if you were to take a look at either trading or signing an unrestricted free agent to address a need, uh, keeping in mind you said previously that there have been times in the past where you've earmarked people, but they just don't see you uh, or your organization as a viability. So would a trade be more of a likelihood if there was a need that you wanted to address? Um, I think, you know, you're, you're open to everything. Um, you know, I, I, again, uh, right now we're active in, in both fronts, you know, we're active on, you know, whether it's, uh, talking about trading players for picks, talking about maybe trading players for players. Um, and then, you know, but you know, you, you don't have the, you don't have the shotgun start yet of, uh, of free agency yet. So that's the, the thing that kind of happens you know like the timing side of things you know you're always you know kind of weighing and wondering so you, you don't know like there, there are you know we've addressed some needs um albeit maybe short term you know through free agency last year and, and maybe you know maybe there's that opportunity again this year so you you kind of evaluate everything as it comes at you and as the different um different you know events you know unfold and obviously you know the draft right now everybody's talking you know whether you're going to move a pick for something so because that's that's the way it is you know the the uh, the, the value of picks right now are at their highest and and uh, because everyone's getting set and ready to pick so um you know once these two days 
next two days go by, then you know you're, you're focused more on the either player for player or, or free agency aspect of things. Thanks very much, Kevin. Thank you. I'm not sure if it was by design. It probably wasn't, but um, very appreciative of the great timing for the Winnipeg Chess to roll out the general manager. And, uh, you know, as expected, I mean, I, I assumed that it would be the first question. They put out the statement. I know Sean Reynolds touched on it. Um, pretty clear that, you know, Kevin Sheveldale was put out that, you know, was not aware of anything until right before the end of uh, Aldrich's employment. And uh, may, in fact, uh, you know, certainly open to uh, talking to investigators, but it has not been the case. Uh, so that was something I knew would be addressed the next time Kevin Sheveldale spoke to the media. But as we get Michael Remus back in here, otherwise, I, mean, I don't think we were going to get a whole lot of breaking news. As Chevy certainly is not one to show his cards, but it was interesting hearing both the way that they're approaching the draft this weekend and the potential for some deals. And Remo, this a lot goes back to the question I had with Ken Weeb talking about Sammy Niku in that, you know, if he's not a player that, you know, has a future here in Winnipeg, they still have him on, you know, a relatively cheap contract. There, I'm sure, would be some interest uh, around the league for Sammy Niku, and maybe that is a player that they could turn into some picks, considering they only have four going into this weekend. Yeah, some, you know, some stuff uh, came out of that for sure. Um, the one thing, for, you know, we talk about Logan Stanley off the top, how teams were calling about Logan Stanley, and, you know, that's one thing when you make the expansion draft list or your protected list, you're also thinking, okay, could, does, do other teams want this player? And then could Seattle pick them and then flip them? So that was uh, that was interesting. You know, a lot of people come and chat every time and ask about Brian Little, and he addressed it at the end of the season. Said Brian Little Little hasn't been medically uh, cleared to play by a doctor, and reiterated that. So while he's not officially retired, it seems like uh, he'll be on LTIR uh, for the rest of his contract. Um, the Cole Perfetti was asked about that. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely like they were probably high fiving us that they could send him. Listen, the, I'm the sure HL. they've been they've been, I guarantee you, they've been one of the teams that probably has been lobbying the league um to do something about this because I I mean and, and I know, I mean, let's face it, think about this Jets organization. Kevin Sheveldayoff, Craig Heisinger, Mark Chipman, I mean, they all came to where they are right now through working their way up, both as an organization, as individuals through the American Hockey League. So, I mean, they know. I mean, I'm working when I was working back in the American Hockey League, we always talked about the fact that, you know, a lot of these young players were not benefiting from the fact that, you know, they had to go back to junior in that 19-year-old year. And it would be nice if there was some sort of um, arrangement made where teams could have, say, one prospect go to the American League. That hasn't been up the, the case up until now. And even if it's a one-year exemption for Perfetti, and players of his ilk, um, I'm sure the, the National Hockey League and member teams, especially the Winnipeg Jets, would be quite happy for it. So I have a feeling that they've been loudly mentioning this for years, to be honest, Reem. And uh, if there was ever a time that change was going to come, a season like this, I think, would be what would bring it on. Yeah, and, and they set the rules. So if you played 20 games in the AHL last year and you're junior eligible, um, you're allowed to play in the AHL again. He played, I think it was 32 or so. So. I don't think it would be fair to the player to have to go back to junior after spending so much time and succeeding like he did. So, I, to be honest, Huss, I was kind of disappointed they came out with that ruling today. I wanted to see the Jets have to make a tough decision. Would they put him in the NHL? Would they, you know, try him 
at that second line, or would he have to, you know, do something crazy like go to Europe? Now they don't have to do that. He can just, you know, start at the HL. Maybe he goes the Kyle Connor route, starts off, gets hot, injury pops up, and he comes into the lineup. But a part of me has did want to be like, okay, let's let's see what they're what are they going to do for this tough decision? Well, and but, now, yeah, but I mean, listen, it's great. It's great to know that they have to make that. But again, yeah. I mean, if you oh, are not interested in the best interest of the right. player or the team, I mean, do you just have him sit in the press box if he's not ready to go? Um, do you send him back to junior or have him do that? I mean, just having this option, especially Huge. for the Winnipeg Jets that have their team just down the hall here in Winnipeg. Um, certainly best case scenario for the Winnipeg yeah. Jets and Corporate Fetty as it pertains I'm to just, that. I'm just joking, joking around, but obviously, you know, for the player, you're super pumped that you, you know, can go to the AHL, continue that development and have a, sh- you know, a shot. And we talked <laughs> with uh, Tom and Tom and Atto about, uh, about what's it called about, you know, how great it is that the AHL is in the same city as the NHL. Yeah. Great comment by Frosty. Uh, in addition to, you know, being able to play there. Yeah, Cole Perfetti, even getting AHL money will be much better than the minimum wage they may not even get in the Ontario Hockey League. So, yeah, there's definitely uh, there's definitely that, too. Um, overall, you know, interesting. I mean, again, you know, we we don't expect a lot of break. And I know some people are saying he got a pass. I mean, I don't know what he wasn't asked about that, you know, he would have been that would have been grilled on. I mean, that's what the like, UFAs. Yeah, I, well, exactly. I mean, right now, the answers aren't really there. And. I mean, very rarely will you hear an NHL GM go up. Oh, yeah, we. I mean, keep in mind the free agents aren't even free agents yet. So, I mean, you can't talk about those players. And you know, when it comes to trading, I mean, I don't think many GMs, but especially a team that keeps their cards as close to the best of the Jets, aren't going to be talking about their trade targets or whatnot. I have a feeling the tougher questions for you know for Shevel Dayoff come you know, in a couple of weeks, if they're not able to do what everyone knows they've set out to do, and that is fortify and improve the blue line in a significant way. And now, of course, there's also the question about that hole that Mason Appleton leaves, whether that's filled internally or potentially through um, adding some more players. One thing I do know, Reem, is that, you know, with everything that's happened this week with the Kraken, next week with free agency, as well as this weird world that we've lived in for 18 months as it comes to scouting, not to mention preparing players, to be drafted um i think there's as much uncertainty and intrigue about this week's draft festivities than we've had in a long long time otherwise it was just oh who's gonna go one who's gonna go two uh but i'm fascinated at some of the moves that are made in conjunction with the draft as well as specifically with the winnipeg jets what they do with players like a sammy niku that might have value that could get some picks do they pick in their spot do they move back and do they try to acquire more draft capital this weekend from the four picks that they have going into uh, the first round yeah and you know they do like to trade uh for picks so you know maybe that would be something to get some more and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how the draft is. It is another virtual draft. Someone I was asking in chat uh, where it was. You know, this we're staying virtual. Well, we'll have to see how the broadcast is too. We got a bit of a taste of the, you know, conglomerate NHL Network, ESPN, Sportsnet broadcast yesterday with the expansion draft. This will be another one. You know, I'm not I haven't seen uh, too many uh, details about it, but um, NBC, you know, no longer doing it in NHL Network, ESPN, and Sportsnet working together. So uh, it's something. Uh, going forward that uh, we'll be, you know, getting started, getting accustomed to. That'll be interesting. Hey, welcome to anyone that may have just jumped in during the Shovel Day Off Presser. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. If you haven't already, if you're with us in the chat, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. It certainly helps us grow the channel. And uh, it, especially for you WSTers that maybe were on holidays and came back, 
We do have a merch store now. We've got some amazing t-shirts, hoodies, and more hats coming with our friends at Royal Sports soon. Uh, I know we put out the link a few times in the chat, but if you want to or tell a friend about it, it's all at winnipegsports.com. Click on the store chat and... uh, I've been uh, wearing out my WST hoodie and T-shirt so far. I've got some other great stuff coming soon, uh, but we do thank it. And as well, if you haven't already subscribed, we just hit 5,000 yesterday. It was a big, big milestone for us. Hit that subscribe button and uh, make sure that you're subscribed. And speaking of the 5K, I know we were planning on doing it today, but we've gone so long with Shevel Dayoff uh, with the presser that just sort of fell in our laps at 2.30 p.m. What we will do is make sure you're with us tomorrow. Um, we will have great draft preview with Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. We'll talk some more Jets. We'll get the latest on the National Hockey League heading into the weekend. And, Remo, I think the only proper way to finish up the week that we hit 5,000 subscribers is with one of the world-famous Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Races. Yeah, we'll have to do it. So come in the chat. We'll get a bunch of names. I did uh, upgrade my computer uh, last night. Added, oh, nice. some new, added some new RAM in there for uh, all you computer guys. So should be should be a bit better, uh, you know, better working tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's a bit beefed up here today. So, yeah, very excited. Yes, and Mark Sports Video uh, mentioned this. We were going to get it um, tonight. You know, we talked about fans coming back to the Blue Jay, or to the Gold Ice. We talked about fans coming back to Assiniboia Downs. Tonight, fans are back at Victory Lane Speedway. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to get out to the Speedway at some point this season, but I'm even more so now that we have a ride. We probably told you about this before, but Rick Delane, Delane Racing is going to be out there, one of the top drivers, rocking around, hopefully getting that checkered flag in the Winnipeg Sports Talk car. You can see it there on the screen if you're watching with this on YouTube. Uh, We got a chance to check it out a, a couple weeks ago. Remus, you sat in the car, revved it a little bit. What a beast that is. So our official good luck for the season to our good friend Rick Delane and that Winnipeg Sports Talk car that you will be able to see with Delane Racing tonight at Victory Lanes Speedway. Um, I, I still can't get over one on a car, Reem. This, this this might be the, the in addition to 5,000 subscribers, having our logo on the Delane Racing Vehicle at Victory Lane Speedway, one of the best things that happened to us since we started this on the 8th of March. This is the uh, the coolest thing ever, this car, and here we are uh, with it. I got to go in it. Oh, there I am. I'm in, I'm in the car there. I uh, had to climb in. It was so cool. Yeah, it was so loud, too. That thing, in the we were in the Royal Sports parking lot. Uh, checking it out so that's so awesome that rick uh would put you know we thought it was just gonna be like a small decal there it's the entire (laughs) it's the entire hood it's crazy so so we will uh does he have any uh, stories we can i think he had some oh there it is there packed up and ready for the first race tonight and there's the car i guess in his like giant trailer that he hauls it in so yeah check out uh delane racing on twitter so cool that he put that logo on his uh, on his car. It's yeah, wild. We're, we're all fired up. We'll get out to the track at some point. I believe they normally go Thursday nights, but tonight's the first night. If you're looking for something to do, God knows, I was just looking for some cool bet lines to give you. There's nothing going on tonight outside of some Major League Baseball uh, and probably many very hungover people in Milwaukee as the Bucks celebrate their championship. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll get out to the track tonight. Cheer on uh, the Winnipeg Sports Talk car and Delane Racing if you haven't, if you're able to do it. Lots of fun. I've been there a few times. It is a great, great night for the entire family. Um, all right, quickly, let's get to the cool bet lines. As I mentioned, 
we are uh, looking at, and you know, it's Thursday night too, travel day for many. Uh, we do not have the Blue Jays on the docket tonight. Probably the game of the night to me is the Giants and Dodgers. That NL West has just been phenomenal this year. Dodgers minus 164 at home. Giants plus 144. You've also got the Padres who have been awesome this season. The other part of that three-headed monster in the division, their favorites on the road, minus 139, taking on the Marlins. Cubs and Cardinals tonight. Cards minus 128. Cubs plus 113. And the Twins, <laughs> Twins aren't favored too often. Uh, maybe I'll have to check that pitching matchup because they're minus 154 over the Angels. Angels at plus 136 on the road. Uh, while you're at Cool Bet, you can also get ready for CFL season. They got all the props there. We talked about some of them on the lock shop this week because, Michael, we are two weeks away from the Bomber home opener on August 5th. I know tickets continue to sell at a very brisk pace. Hoping to see that place absolutely packed of fully vaxxed fans. Uh, so 14-day countdown to kickoff at IG Field and all of us getting back, cheersing each other and cheering on the 2019 Grey Cup champs for the first time since they raised the trophy in Calgary. Oh, yes. I'm excited. Uh, more details uh, More details coming out. So, uh, yeah, the home opener for the Bombers. Uh, CFL fantasy. We'll be running our DraftKings pools. I know people were excited about the PGA one on the weekend. So, uh, lots to get to. I know we got the again Olympics starting up. Uh, who would have thought us? You know, we got this laundry list here of things to talk about on July twenty second. The hockey off season, CFL starting up, Olympics, uh, everything. We got a Cineboy Downs coming back. Gold eyes. What are you no, looking at good. there? You got I something was just, cool? I, I, I was just looking. I meant to, uh, you mentioned the golf, the uh, the DraftKings British Open pool. And uh, we've got to give a shout out to Go Jets Bombers, who uh, took it down. Oh, my buddy Hammerballs. He's always in the mix in the golf. Hammerballs got second. Lomac third. Hobo Skater. Hobo Skater was fourth. And Chabby. Chabby's been in a lot of our, our contests. Got into a fifth place. The top five got paid. Poor C. Platt, right on the uh, C. Platt's been with us for a long time. He was right on the bubble. Uh, but yes, we're two weeks away from our first CFL DraftKings contest of the year. We'll tell you more about that. Hey, one more just little tidbit to finish off the showroom on this opener. I did see some things on social media that the anti-vax crowd was planning yes. on doing some sort of a protest before the August 5th bomber game. Now, I am fully on board with the right to protest that is part of our, um, you know, part of the constitution and all that. But I will say this, considering how excited and fired up people are to get to that park. Um, I don't know if it'll be the cops, but if there is a major nuisance of people trying to prevent bomber fans from getting into that stadium, uh, a, it could get ugly, and B, I think many of those anti-vaxxers, um, that might be their final protest, if you will. Um, th- this could be a bad situation, and I know Bomber fans will not be having it. Well, here, that guy actually got arrested. Us, uh, Patrick, here's the release from the Winnipeg police. Um, they were alerted to a low... I mean, people are posting, and we saw this yesterday with that guy from that <laughs> fitness place. People love posting about the crimes they're going to do on social media. It just makes it so much How easier. How stupid are these people? So this guy, oh, my God. So this guy was trying to organize people to block roads to IG Field. Like, whatever. So apparently he was bound by a court order 
that prohibits the promotion or organization of gatherings contra- contrary to any order made <laughs> under the Public Health Act. So he was arrested and charged for com- failing to comply with the conditions of his release. Like, how stupid can you be? Um, so if, if you're going to plan something that goes against your uh, court order, maybe... Obviously, don't do it one, but maybe don't do it on social media where everyone can see. Like, yeah, or, 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 or you know, maybe mix in a burner account or something. Not yeah. that I need to help these people with the simplest things that any rational human would think of beforehand. But yeah, you know what? If I was out and I had conditions of a release order, maybe I wouldn't be doing this stuff. Yeah. Anyways, hopefully, hopefully there won't be any issues. But if they are, uh, if there are. I have a feeling this won't be a peaceful protest, and I have a feeling there'll be thousands of people in blue and gold that will, uh, let's just say, assist people in clearing the roads so we can fill that stadium well, on IG Field. And we want, you know, we wanted to get to this before the show, or you know, at a time, but we kind of got pushed back because of the shovel day off thing. But the NFL put out today, they are coming hard down hard. And I said to you, I'm going to need for my fantasy rankings list of you know Vax players. And unvaxxed players. Yes. Because I am not kidding. Because so where's the thing? We sent it to each other at the same yeah, time. I, I've, I've got it right here. This yeah. is absolutely amazing. So this is from Tom Pelissario. Um, <clears throat> the NFL just informed clubs that if a game cannot be rescheduled during the 18 week season in 2021 due to a COVID outbreak among unvaccinated players, the team with the outbreak will forfeit and be credited with a loss for playoff seedings, per sources. Massive implications. What is even crazier, though, uh, well, not crazier, but even more, um, shall we say, extreme, and why I think this is even more to the players, is that if there is a forfeit of the game, here it is, the biggest penalty for all the players. If a game is canceled and cannot be rescheduled within the current 18-week schedule due to a COVID outbreak, Neither team's players will receive their weekly paragraph five salary. You read that right. Nobody gets paid. So um, I, I listen, I I still can't believe we were joking about this earlier that the NFL of all things is sort of leaders in the push for the vaccine. But that is exactly where we are. And Reem, I, I can't wait to hear the next press conference with Cole Beasley of the Buffalo Bills on how he feels about what we've learned today. Yeah, I'm pulling up his Twitter Right now, and I would have never <laughs> thought, I would have never thought that the NFL, um, he hasn't tweeted, uh, would be, he hasn't tweeted in two days, would be a leader in this. But you know what? They want to protect their business. And I think it's pretty clear that in areas where more people are getting vaccinated, you have less hospitalizations. So uh, credit to the NFL for putting together a very strict policy. And we'll see if the players want to do it. And I know a lot of MLB teams, has, I mean, they're struggling. Some teams, I know the Cubs. Uh, and other teams, Mets, I think, you know, players aren't getting their shot and, you know, they still have some restrictions. So uh, we'll see how it goes for the NFL and how it impacts fantasy and gambling. And I'm not kidding. Give me give me a ranking sheet uh, for, no. for doing drafts. I want an injury report every week and I want a mm-hmm. vax vax report of the yeah. uh, of the players or at least numbers of, for gambling uh, there. Yeah. Um, they're going to they're definitely going to need to do that. So um uh, anyways, listen, it's no different than a lot of other, you know, jobs that, you know, you uh, if you're dealing with the public or dealing with a lot of people, I mean, your employer might expect you to uh, to be that or you have the freedom not to do it. But you also have the freedom to go work somewhere else. And uh, that's the issue. And as far as the gold eyes go, um, it will be interesting to see any player movement on the Winnipeg team, for one, 
um, because it's only going to be fully vaccinated players and coaches and staff that are coming back. And I don't know. I, I certainly haven't heard that they've been 100% vaccinated. So there may be a, there may be a little work for Cash and Rick Forney to do um, with some lineup tweaks beforehand. And as far as for the visiting teams that are coming, um, unvaccinated players will not be making the trip. So uh, that would be a challenge for some of the visiting teams if they want to get other players or continue and just leave guys at home. Uh, anyways, the bottom line is, if you're concerned about going to sporting events here in Winnipeg and in Manitoba, if you're going to Valor, if you're going to the Bombers, if you're going to the Gold Eyes, if you're going outdoors at Assiniboia Downs, um, you'll simply show your QR code, show your ID, and then you're in. And um, I think it should make for a great atmosphere at all of these events. Um, great show today. And, you know, as I said, you know, really thanks to Michael Farkas, some great stuff with Kenny Weeb. And uh, then it was uh, a privilege to be able to bring you Kevin Shevel Day off live. Uh, so uh, we thank the timing to the folks that whatever decided that 2.30 was a great time. Because I know a lot of you hung around to see that, and it was awesome. Folks, if you haven't yet, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. We continue to grow. It's great to have you on board. We'll do a few giveaways tomorrow. We'll have a fun marble race with some giveaways from our sponsors tomorrow. So make sure you stick around to the end of the program and join us live on YouTube. As always, we got to thank Little Brown Jug and not Autocorp, Breezy Ben. By the way, speaking of Breezy Ben, Ricky Fowler is back. Ricky, the first round leader, shot at 64 at the 3M Open. Man, it'd be nice to see him get back in the winner's circle. Great start for Rick uh, this week. Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and Cool Bet Canada. If you're betting on Cool Bet, use that promo code WST. You'll get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Tomorrow on the program, a deep dive into the draft with one of the best in the biz, Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. More on the Jets heading into the weekend. And uh, maybe a little update on Blue Bomber Camp as well. That's going to do it. For, oh, and of course, a full rundown of the Jets schedule, which is going to come out in a couple hours. We'll go through that. Top games, home opener. Uh, when we see the crack in here, all of that tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Thanks to everyone that was with us. If you wouldn't mind, hit that like button on your way out before you close down the YouTube. If you're in the if you're in on a mobile, just close the chat and hit it up. And if you're listening on the podcast, thanks so much for making us a part of your day. Anytime you have a chance, give us a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It also helps us grow the channel. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks again to Michael Farkas, Ken Weeb. And uh, we got to hear from the press conference, Kevin Dayoff. We'll be back tomorrow to get ready for draft day and the first round tomorrow night. And, of course, a big weekend on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great one, folks. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.